Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of Slow Your Roll. I am Dominic Lorenzano, alongside writer for the Yaki Wave Report, Jesse Caulfield, as always. Our college football analyst is here in studio this time, not just on Zoom from South Carolina. Larry Lorenzano in here to talk some college football. I know since you were up here, you, you watched a little of the NFL, too, so... You got a little NFL football this Sunday. The good old NFL. Yeah, it doesn't match college football, but um, I got it. You know, it's funny. The um, um, I got to see that uh, on television, that game from uh, from London. And maybe, what did I see? The best game of the year? The finish there? was. Uh, oh, really? That was pretty nuts. Uh, actually, I didn't get to see the end. I mean, I saw the highlights, but I didn't get yeah, to actually it, see it live. Oh, uh, okay. So and it was a little spoiled for me. Of course, now with the NFL, the way the, these guys, it's funny. In college football, when a kid is going to kick a field goal, it's kind of exciting. You wonder if that 18-year-old can make it. In the sure. NFL, you cross the 50-yard line and field goal range now. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, but that was a great game. Yeah, it was good to... Uh, yeah, I told you, Dominic, that... Um, um, being down in South Carolina, I don't get the Patriots. So I had not seen a Patriot game from beginning um, since Brady left. So yeah. that was my oh. first uh, chance. And um, Brag about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no idea. All those defensive players, I don't know who they are. And um, so I'm learning a lot. And But you know Bailey Zappi. I know Bailey Zappi <laughs> from Western Kentucky. We found our We found our Tom Brady. Our next one, yeah, we thought sure. it was Mac. It's it's Zappy time. It's Zappy time. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to explain to my brother yesterday. Go, where did, where is he from? I go Western Kentucky. He goes what what league is that? What division? Is that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd explain what conference USA was all about. So. <laughs> but Bailey looked decent. Yeah, not bad. He ran the offense the way it needed to be run. Sure, he didn't yeah. turn it over like Mac's been doing. Yeah. yeah, so it I was mean, very a lot of conservative play, they, but they restricted him at the end, and that might have hurt the Pats, huh? Yeah, but it, yeah. Sure, it sure did. But I get why. It's anyway. certainly more exciting than Brian Horry was ever going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I wanted to bring that up. I had uh, read um, going into this game the statistic, a great statistic about Hoyer's record as a starter. Was it zero and sixteen? He'd lost seventeen. Oh God, it was zero and seventeen. Before this game, yes. So does he? I want to. Does he get credited with this loss? Yes, he does. Okay. <laughs> so, so Brian Hoyer is zero and eighteen as a starting quarterback. At his well, last I don't think it's game. fair that he gets charged with the loss. But <laughs> now I know the answer. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think Bailey played better than he would have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, anyway, though, we got plenty to get to today. Uh, a lot of college football talk with, with Larry in the house. Um, we're going to talk the Tua situation and that on Thursday night. A lot of a lot of conspiracies going around. Also, I saw the social media stuff, everybody getting mad that Tua was watching a movie afterwards, which I'll, I'll, I'll come in on because I think that's a little ridiculous. Um, we'll talk Denver, the hot mess that is the Broncos. I don't think Hackett is a head coach. I'm just going to say it now. Yeah. I, you know, seventy. What is it? Seventy percent of coordinators who get head coaching jobs bomb. I think he bombed really quickly. But we'll talk. Yeah. about we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the baseball playoffs. My Atlanta Braves, three game sweep over the weekend, baby. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the chop's gonna keep going throughout the playoffs. I know Rob Manfred will be so happy if that's in the World Series again. <laughs> Just overjoyed. All right, so. With that, plenty of other stuff on tap. But with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jesse Caulfield to get us started for this episode. Take it away, Jesse. Thank you, Dom. Now, actually, I thought coming into the show, it might just be me in my little echo chamber. But uh, I was told someone else here enjoys tennis. 
I was told you kind of like tennis. I do. I love tennis. Yeah, and, and you know, Dominic brought that up heading into uh, preparing for the show. And I told him I love tennis, but right now, I mean, I don't think there's much going on right now. Right? Really? Because well, the, after the U.S. Open, is the majors oh, are oh, done. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Until um, Australian in, what, late December. And, and the only point I did mention to Dominic was, are there, are there any American stars? Yes, that's the thing. Okay. There is one now. He's he's emerging. His name is Francis Tyfo, and I oh, love I love this guy. Yes, because I mean, the big name in tennis just left Roger Federer. Yeah. Like people usually watch. And, for and really, you look at history. The, the Nadal Federer thing wasn't that something playing the doubles together for the last. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I love that. I, I got a kick out of that. I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't but, get to see it live two, either. But. Two great players, you know. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. And you shouldn't be taken for granted. Yeah. No, they shouldn't. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I was a Federer guy over uh, a Nadal guy yeah. for years. But, um, you know, Nadal is kind of getting old himself now. Novak Djokovic is... Taking over. A little a little bit, yeah. But he's not, he's not really young anymore. But there is kind of this emergence in tennis of like, I'm starting to see more and more young names. They're competing more. The finals have been different people. Yeah. Which is part of the reason, you know, it's just been dominated by these three guys for pretty much a decade now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been exciting. But, like, now that, I don't know, this guy Francis Tyfo, he's an American. We never see Americans in there. It's an exciting time, I think, for tennis. And I think people need to get in on this stuff. It's tell, great. I'm going to say it. It's great shit, people. You got to watch this. Tell, what word did you use? <laughs> um, do, can you tell me about, how do you pronounce it again? Tiafo, T I A F O E. Okay, it's pretty much you know what, how it looks. What part? He's, is he an African American? Is he yes. A, and what part of the country is he from? Any idea? Oh, oh, no. I, th- I think he was from New York State. And did he did he win the Open? No, he got pretty far. He almost made the finals of the U.S. Open, yeah. which would have been amazing. But um, go to the semis, maybe. Yeah, I know he was in the semifinals. Um, I can't remember actually who he lost to. I don't oh, he, no, he lost to that that new. I don't even know who won it. There's a new there's a new 18 year old kid from Spain that's like he's going to be the next Nadal. Oh. He lost to that kid. It's just I can't remember his name. I'm going to guess. There's no more clay court specialists anymore. Like maybe Nadal was the Nadal's, last of them. You know, well, yes, yeah. I was say Nadal is kind of the last one. And he but didn't he adapt to the to hard courts very well? No, he say? did because yeah. oh he was like the guy that. He took. He finally took down Federer. Yeah, and it wasn't on the clay court. Right. I actually that's that that was the match that got me into tennis because that oh. that was like a six hour match. Yeah, and I was just in New Hampshire bored, and I was right. just like, I don't watch know how this. How far back you go? And, and Dominic might be lost in this, but I am. But <laughs> but I remember you talk about Nadal. He's from Spain, and I remember growing up. I I was a fan of somebody you never heard of named Guillermo Vias, and um, he was a great Woo. a great clay court player, and he'd, he'd go he'd win the Spanish Open every year on the red clay. So it was very difficult for a clay court specialist to, to adapt and win on, on the uh, hard courts. And Nadal, Nadal did it, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's up there with, with uh, 20, I think, of the, of the major titles there. So, like, wow. and I mean, I know a lot of those. I think 12 of those are clay court. But, you know, eight, eight's no, nothing to shy away about when in terms of the U.S. Open, the Australian Open. I, uh, I'm going to bring up one thing about your tennis. We'll get, we can't go on this tennis too long, I know, Dominic. But, I'm good. Um, from the little bit I saw, I think I saw a little bit of the Open. I did see most of the matches um, with with um, Serena. I fell for yeah. that thing. But um, I, I want to ask we you. We trashed her on this show, but you, you I, wa- I, watched, I watched the you know the U.S. Open a little bit when she played just yeah. to see because it's the last time. Right, right. So you watch more than me. Even though it's hard courts, I didn't see any serve and volley. 
Even then, it's all ground strokes now. Everybody's staying back. Is it? Is I everybody mean, attack anymore? Uh, to be honest, yeah. no. I mean, there was a little bit that I'm a little bit more on the men's side. Yeah, like some serve and volley. Okay, a little bit. Uh, I mean, especially like the later rounds. Like it was a lot of that. Oh, okay, I missed that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like you know, I mean, you're kind of right. There is no specialists anymore. Right. Everyone just has all tried. They have to all get all the tools. Yeah. Because I mean. If you're just a clay court guy, I don't know. You kind of just you fall away. You're not that cool. Yeah, I know. I you're, know that you're not. You're not making the major one, the well, the big big ones anymore. But so like you it, gotta, it, I don't know. You gotta make your money. It used to be the clay court guys. You'd see a lot of ground strokes and long points, long rallies, and then the hard court you'd see shorter points. But now when I watch hard court, the points are just as long. It's all ground strokes. But yeah, I just noticed that. Maybe I didn't see the right guys. Like the Djokovic, does Djokovic serve in volley? He's such a big guy with a big serve. Uh, I mean, occasionally, right? Yeah, I guess occasionally. To be honest, I haven't really seen it. It used to be guys like McEnroe would, and other guys. It was serve and volley every point. Really? Yeah, you, oh. that's before your time a little. A bit. little bit, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But now you don't see that. But no, no, not really. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, just like real quick, because I, you know, we don't have to go too long in this. It's just, it's just tennis. But like, we talk about baseball a lot here, and like, is there? And I love baseball, but is there any more boring sport to watch on TV than baseball? Sometimes. Baseball's not boring on TV. No, here's the thing. I love it, but like it is slow. It is methodical. Well, that's you another don't con- if you don't understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah that's it, another conversation. It can, be, it can be hard to watch. Even football. If you don't understand what's going on, and even at times, it can be slow and methodical. Like, yes, it's, there's, especially in the, the age we live in of football, big plays, trick plays, all this stuff. Especially you guys watch college football, so there's more trick plays exactly. than in the NFL. <laughs> But, like, if you watch tennis, sure, it can be slow and methodical. You're just hitting the ball back and forth. But if you watch it, like, the athleticism, the uh, just the action that actually can go on when you understand it, like how they're just, like, running and diving to the other side of the court. Oh, and it's, it's, it's pretty strategy, it's, too. There's you know, it is. Strategy, yeah. And then you'll see, you'll see just some crazy stuff every now and again. Like, you know, it just kind of has to happen and fall in, where, like, where they get all close to the net and just the little volleys and all stuff like that. And then you got to run back and the, between the legs. It's some great <laughs> stuff that goes on. It's some wild stuff. It was, like, even Roger Federer was doing it in his last game, that old, that old bastard. Um, <laughs> but, like, it, the... The skill that these people have, and they're just hitting a ball with a racket. Like, I've tried to do that. Like, no control. Absolutely none. And this, these people have just pinpoint accuracy. It's it's incredible. I really think more people should watch it. Good for you. I'm proud of this guy. <laughs> tennis is cool. Yeah. Watch more tennis. That's, yeah. That's the point of this. And, hey, support, support Francis, our American. Uh, public service announcement. Watch more tennis. Yeah, tennis is cool. And Djokovic is a G. Uh, he's kind of an idiot, but like he, he, he he's a G. He he's I like what? I like his conviction. For the vaccine stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. standing up to the man. <laughs> but like he's kinda of, I wish he wasn't the the soldier. He's kind of an idiot. No, I know. He yeah. can he can he can be an idiot. But yeah. anyway, all right. I think we're ready to move on. Let's go to rapid fire news here real quick. All right, so some baseball here real quick as we finish out the playoffs, the Milwaukee Brewers. Philadelphia was trying really hard to choke this one away. But in the end, my Miami Marlins showed that they do still pitch. (laughs) And they were able to shut down the Milwaukee Brewers, taking three or four from them. And big thanks to this year's potential Cy Young Award winner, Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, but wasn't the game he started their one loss? 
One did nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I forgot they didn't lose. Dominic Uh, forgot. I mean, I did. I did a good game, but that was their one loss. (laughs) I I forgot. You know what? I take that back. Sandy's a loser. He gave up one run in eight innings. What a bum. That's his. That's his seventeenth loss by one to nothing this year. (laughs) Is that a real stat? No, no, no. He's over exaggerating. Okay. I think he ends the year fifteen and seven, and probably seven one run losses. (laughs) Um, so. So Milwaukee, at the end of the day, couldn't get it done. Philadelphia probably got saved. They have a two-game lead with three games left to go. So if they do get swept, that will be a sensational choke job. But I don't think it's going to happen. Also, the Atlanta Braves sweeping the New York Mets over the weekend with wins of 5-2, 4-2, and 5-3, taking down DeGrom and Scherzer in the process in this three-game sweep. So Atlanta now firmly in control of the NL East with two games, with three games left. Huge implications there because, as we mentioned, those are probably the two best teams in the National League, but now one has to go through the wild card. So, and as it stands right... What did you say about the two best teams? Uh, I mean, other than the Dodgers. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I meant, like, to challenge the Dodgers. Okay. Because I don't think anybody here really thinks San Diego, Philly, or St. Louis would beat the Dodgers. Would be an upset. It could happen. It could, yeah. but I don't think they have a great chance. No matter how hot San Diego has been, they just don't beat the Dodgers. So. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> so, like, I don't buy it. So, yeah. All right. And just some NFL news. We'll do some of the some of the couple of names. Uh, we'll just go over some of the games. The Chargers built themselves a sensational first half lead and then nearly chargered as they went into the half up 27 to 14 and almost lost the game if it wasn't for Austin Eckler on the uh, final recap drive who stopped the Chargers from charging. He had three touchdowns in this game. Yeah, I know. I know you know because I beat you in fantasy because of it. Uh, how's that Monday, What? It, How's it, that first loss taste, Jesse? still Monday night. You know what? Nothing. I hate. Oh, yeah, he's going to play a score 35 points. Samuel's going to score nothing. Oh, I haven't even looked after the Sunday night game. But, like, <laughs> uh, nothing ruins getting- my week more than a loss in fantasy. Because I don't even want to look at fantasy all week. You just mad. You're mad because you lost to me too. I know. I mean, losing in fantasy is just like gut wrenching. It's, like, it's just a gut punch every time. <laughs> uh, you got you got kind of got curb stomped. And it makes too. It, and it makes me think everyone on my team is a fraud. <laughs> Lamar, right. Stefan Diggs, Chubb—they're all frauds. But Chubb scored 20 points, bro. He was a fraud. Wasn't good enough. All right. Anyway, so also the Colts—they were able to beat the Chiefs last week. But we said they were bad. So then we were like, oh, did we speak too soon? Well, they lost to Tennessee again. Did any of us actually say we spoke too soon? No, I don't think so. Or did we all just make an excuse? It hasn't been like, well, it's just one of those weeks, any given week. No, I know. There were some people who were like, oh, you did it too soon. Uh, The Titans won 24 to 17. I think Indianapolis is just bad. I I don't know. I don't think it was all Carson Wentz. I just don't think Jonathan Taylor's injured now. And Jonathan Taylor's injured now. So, also in other news. The Jets took down the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-20. The Jets are becoming competent. It's amazing times. Kenny Pickett was able to take over for Mitchell Trubisky. Kind of felt bad for Kenny because he was kind of the reason why the Steelers got back in that game. But he was also the reason why they lost. Is anyone else getting static in their ear? I am getting that too. I'm trying to ignore it. Okay. Okay. And other news. In the, Lon- in the London game, probably the best game of the season so far, potentially, the Minnesota Vikings were able to to take down the New Orleans Saints 28-25 to on a slew of long field goals at the end of the game. They asked Lutz, uh, New Orleans, to hit, what was it, a 60-yarder that tied it, and then he was forced to try and hit a 62-yarder to try and win it. Unfortunately, it double-doinked, one off the upright, <laughs> one off the lower bar. The one off the lower bar was like, 
inches away from going in, though. Yeah. So. I mean, I saw the replay. I just didn't, like I said, I didn't get to see it live. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get the. Yeah, I didn't get the enjoyment of the suspense. Oh, it was wild. And then finally, the Baltimore Ravens built themselves a very nice lead over the Buffalo Bills. They kind of started to choke it away in the at the end of the first half, and then continued it on in the second half. I don't. Did they even score points in the second half? Now that I think about it, I don't think they did. They ended up with twenty. I think. I don't. I think it was twenty to three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Lamar's made me look bad so far this year, but yeah, uh, no I don't second, know. No second half points. I yeah. think Lamar kind of, I don't know, you know, it's a long season. He'll get better, but I thought he kind of proved some of the stuff we've talked about in the second half of that game. He had some awful throws. Okay, not to get off topic, but this this ruined the fantasy week for me. It was supposed to be Lamar Jackson versus Stephon Diggs. Yeah. I was going to get all the points from this game, shootout. Yeah. 2023. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so... Lamar, you know, just saying, he's got to work on that other stuff. I know he's been great. I know he looks like the MVP of the league. But when it comes time that he's got to do nothing but throw the ball in order to win a game, he leaves a lot to be desired sometimes. Also, the Bills just won a one-score game. I know they did. I'll give them credit. You know, I've been on that. Buffalo, Buffalo, you're right. So Buffalo was 0-7. Came back to do it. Buffalo was 0-7 in one-score games, and now they have their first win. And and is Lamar, when you talk about Lamar's weapons – is his? Would you say his tight end is the second best tight end in the NFL now? Oh, probably. I argue he is the best tight end in football. He's, a, he's just his quarterback isn't Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Andrews is a really good. I mean, he's got a, he's a great player. He's I not, think he's got better hands than Kelsey. Yeah. I think he's just as good as a route runner as Kelsey. He's yeah. got the same. Probably a better blocker. Oh, definitely a better blocker. Kelsey hates blocking. Right. Yes. So like, I just I you yeah, know I, I think, think Kelsey's we, situation is better. Yes. Yeah, I think people I think people overdo it when they try and say Lamar. Lamar doesn't have great weapons. Yeah. And I think... They forget about the tight I, end. I, now, I know I'm biased because I watched him in college. I think I'd rather have Devin Duvernay than Marquise Brown. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. Oh, I mean, he's got hands of stone, but he's just so fast. Brown. Duvernay? Brown. So is Duvernay. Duvernay already has a touchdown, uh, already has a uh, punt return for a touchdown this season. Yeah, yeah but he's like... He's deep threat. Yeah. Well, if Duvernay had, if he had, why do you want to trade him so bad? If he had a nickname of Hollywood, he'd be right up there. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, well, well, I definitely well, hate Marquise well, Brown's well, hands. Fantasy's not real football, brother. I guess for fantasy wise, he's not great because he's a boomer bust guy. I guess because they use him on deep stuff, and Andrews hogs a lot of the targets, and then so does Rashad Bateman. Yeah, but like even still, like, do I? Would you consider Duvernay a real number one in the NFL? No, no, no. But I don't think Marquise Brown is either. Is, okay. is Duvernay just like the other Texas receiver, Grissom, a speedster who's... Yes. Okay. Yeah. A speed but, demon. But, but he's but he got size. He's not small. You know? No, like, like yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. I think I think Duvernay's a rookie, but I think eventually as we get longer in, Duvernay is going to be able to do more stuff than Hollywood Brown. Because Hollywood Brown's one thing. Speed and over the top. He's not big. He doesn't have the size. Duvernay's got size. So mm-hmm. he can do both. Okay. So, yeah. And then in a little college football, Georgia survived a scare against Missouri of all teams. Um, they needed to outscore Missouri 20-6 to in the second half to be able to win that game 26-22 over the Tigers. Also, UCLA still undefeated, taking down Washington 40-32. to uh, Michigan took down Iowa 27-14. And the Kansas Jayhawks, whoever would have thought that I would say that, are undefeated. The Kansas Jayhawks. This is not basketball. <laughs> In football, taking down Iowa State 14 
to 11. In the other news, we'll, we'll talk about this team later on for other stuff. TCU laid down the hammer on the Oklahoma Sumers. Uh, I think 55 to 24 was the final score. Yeah, was it? I forget the stat. It might have been 370 yards of total offense in the first half, half. against Max Venables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As Jesse looks at me funny, who's Max Venables? But <laughs> yeah, but you know Oklahoma's good, so they shouldn't be getting sure, that's stomped name that I by hear. TCU. It, that's a name I hear in college football. Over Well over 300 yards rushing for but the like, Horned Frogs. Yeah. But like, even I know the recruitment thing going on, and who wants to live in Oklahoma? Uh, <laughs> uh, my brother. He gets it. He yeah. gets it. Is that a lead into one of your points right there? <laughs> it kind of is. I wish you didn't do that before the Pats. Oh, so- sorry. <laughs> but anyway, you, you with call- that. So Do- Dominic's, when it comes to college football, Dominic does demographics and I do tradition. So uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so Dom- Dominic looks at Norman and, and he thinks the same way you do. Why? Why would you go there? And, I w- and I'm a traditionalist and I love the tradition. Oklahoma football, hmm. Bud Wilkerson. And yeah. anyways. Well, with age usually comes a more... Deeper feel for tradition. Age, young yeah. young people like statistics <laughs> well, and demographics. Too, well, too bad because it's nineteen year olds who play the game. <laughs> sure. Anyway, so with that though, we will get into our first discussion. As always, the New England Patriots. They somehow, you know, they almost beat the Packers. They should have beat with the a third string quarterback Bailey Zappi, uh, but they lost in overtime, twenty seven to twenty four, to the vaunted. Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, who were supposed to be so amazing. I know you think I'm being sarcastic, but I'm sorry. I thought that game said a lot about Green Bay. The fact that you're at home against the Patriots, who are down to their third-string quarterback, and you needed overtime to win that game? Yeah. I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, there was even times where I, the Patriots should have won that game. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to defend the Packers. I even said, I said like, well, they're still going to make the playoffs, so, like, That'll be successful for Green Bay and their modern day standards, mm. but like, yeah, they're, I don't think this was a this was a this should have been a tank ball, but no one realizes it yet. Yeah, I know. These were two bad teams, <laughs> and it you. it was. I mean, I didn't get to really watch it live because I was working at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, mm, were you working outside the stadium? I was outside. The garden. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just outside. Yeah. I mean, I was by the harp, so I got to watch some games. Okay. I got to watch a little bit of TV. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but for the most part, I didn't really get to see live. Mm-hmm. But like what I did see was just kind of like every big play was just a breakdown somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually liked how the defense played it for the Patriots. But like, man, if you want to get big chunks of yards, throw it right to the middle of the field. They don't like to cover that. <laughs> At least from what I saw. Yeah. No, I get you. How about what do we think about Bailey Zappi's performance here? Are is there hope? Are we gonna are we gonna win more than three games? Can't tell yet. I don't think we can tell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was a situation. I feel like well, the Packers didn't expect to play Bailey Zappi. They're like, we're gonna prepare for Brian Hoyer in a run game, mm. and they got they got a uh, they got zapped in a run game though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but like the Patriots' def- uh, run game is actually kind of good. Yes, it is. Even despite their despite Isaiah win best efforts <laughs> he is a disaster on that old line well they put in the the they had cannon be the extra tight end to i know help that that that's probably one of the main reasons why the run game was really working this game yeah and again I, I like the run game better than i thought but mm. like that's 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 a big reason why yeah um here's the other thing it's hyperbolic 
It's crazy. But Mac Jones, I said it last week, after that win streak last year against mostly garbage, if you go from the Colts game on to now, his numbers are awful. Like, he is bad. Awful? Yes. He's got one of the lowest passer ratings in the league. Uh, He's got two times more interceptions than touchdown throws. Uh, He has been garbage, honestly. But no one in New England, you can't say that. You can't you can't can't criticize Mac Jones for some reason. Matt Reardon, you know, on there. It's Nelson Aguilar's fault. It's Nelson Aguilar. It's not Mac Jones at all. Well, remember we had that little discussion. I think it was about Baker Mayfield, and we were like, uh, we were talking about his QBR. Yeah. And we were like, it was just terrible. No, I think it was Daniel Jones because mm-hmm. it was the Brian Dable discussion, mm-hmm. and his QBR was terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but there was still like four quarterbacks with worse QBR, and we're like, who are those quarterbacks? One of them was Mac Jones. Oh, exactly. Really? Yeah. Wow. So Mac has been bad. It could get worse. Bailey probably doesn't have an NFL arm, really. But as long as Zap isn't turning over the football, <laughs> is he actually that much worse than Mac Jones at this point? Um, no, but I think Mac's biggest problem is, I mean, you say it, he, he thinks he's at Alabama. I think it's more just he, he trusts himself too much. And mm-hmm. yet part of that was just how he balled out in Alabama. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's, he, he loves to go deep. I know. And it's so annoying. I know. And it, you need, you would need a, I don't know, maybe a Josh McDaniels or somebody mm-hmm. to come in and tell them, bro, relax on that. We don't have the receivers for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, just go, like, we're going to do simple plays. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that's what the plan was for the Zap Man. Yeah. So, like, just tell Mac Jones, like, bro, this offense ain't it yet. Yeah. Let's, let's just make sure we minimize mistakes let's take care of the football let's not lose the game exactly that's what they need to do but unfortunately mac a lot of time has been losing the football game so honestly right now i don't think there's a massive difference between with what the pats could do from as far as just a strictly winning and losing games on the record wise between bailey zappy and mac jones i don't think there's a massive difference well i i don't either but i don't even really say say that's mac jones fault he trusts himself too much, and that causes a lot of turnovers. But, like, this offense sucks. It does. It's run terribly. <laughs> it is run awfully. Uh, mean- the best player is Devontae Parker, who plays half-assed. Sometimes on deep balls. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. And, and Our second best player doesn't play in uh, Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, because, well, I mean, we talked about that. I don't think Joe Judge and Matt Patricia know how to use Kendrick. I really don't. They use him on the bench. I mean, I mean, look at the way Matt LaFleur lo- uses Watson. Even when Aaron Rodgers decides that Watson made one mistake, so I no longer want to throw him the football, which is what Aaron Rodgers does on the reg now with these rookie wide receivers, Matt LaFleur at least knows how to get him involved. All right, we're going to run a reverse here, disguise here, get him the ball going this way. That Joe Judge and Matt Patricia ain't doing stuff like that. <laughs> they so just would you, don't. Would you say Bourne is only playing... When they have a three-receiver set, for the most part, it's Aguilar and um, Parker, one and two. Yeah. And Bourne's yeah. only yeah. the— th- and, okay. and, and Bourne's only the third wide receiver because Jacoby Myers is banged up. Oh, that's right. I forgot about when the Myers, Myers. Was, When Myers yeah. was out there— Bourne was down to fourth, yeah. Bourne was down to four. And I don't think he should be. But at the end of the day, that was... I mean, we talked about it. He's a unique piece in the fact that, like, he ain't Tyreek Hill fast yeah. down the field, but he's not big. So yeah. he, it's not as obvious on how to use him, and I think an offensive coach would get him involved and know how to do it. But you know, the, but both. But the I'd say both ha- Parker and Aguilar are probably faster than Bourne. Yeah, probably. Even though they're not 
Mm-hmm. Special. I mean, Aguilar definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Parker's kind of just got that really long stride. Right. Big yeah. guy. Big t- but they're obvious on how to use. Kendrick's not as obvious on how to use. And you don't have offensive coaches running the offense. So I don't no. think they know how to use Kendrick. We could do a whole show on that. I know. Uh, we've done many a show on it, honestly. <laughs> it remains the talking point in New England. And nationally when you talk about this team. Yeah. So, but... In some ways, this is the most optimistic I felt about the Pats this season. Oh, really? Because well, because the rest of New England thought when Mac went down, oh, we're not going to win a game. Do you um do you do you do we assume that uh, Bailey Zappi will be starting on Sunday against the Lions? Oh, he better be. Oh, he will. <laughs> he better be starting. By the way, does my prediction that Detroit would beat us though look better and better by the day? I guess. I mean, they did lose to Seattle, but like <laughs> they have. Zero defense. Oh, I know. If anyone just plays <laughs> any defense against Detroit, Blind, yeah. I know. Like I, they're not gonna win. Hey, but they put up thirty something points without Amon Ross, uh, St. Brown, and DeAndre Swift. Actually, I did. Uh, not I, to mention uh, um, Williams from Alabama. Oh, hasn't yeah. played yet. Jameson. Yeah, and Jameson Williams hasn't played yet either. <laughs> Weren't they missing another person? I feel like there's another wide receiver on that team. No, Josh Reynolds almost didn't play. Oh, okay. But then he did. And the kid from As Holy, you should know. The kid from Holy Cross okay. is that Reynolds? I get mixed up. There's one Raymond or Reynolds. One of them's from, from Holy Cross. Oh, answer. okay. Yeah. It might be Reynolds. He's not a star, but I, yeah. I always notice the local kids. Yeah. <laughs> it might be Reynolds. Um, I don't know. I think that one's looking better and better by the day. Uh, I we'll think the Lions might beat us. We'll see. I mean, to be honest, I'm not that more optimistic about this game. I mean, sure, like, oh, we might win a game without Mac. Mm-hmm. But, like... Oh, we'll win a game without Mac. I think a lot of that success was just the Packers preparing for Brian Hoyer, and they got... They got Bailey Zappi. Do you think the offense would have been that much different between Hoyer and Zappi, though? Uh, I mean, not hugely. The Bailey, Patriots love their like, it's schemes. Not like, it's not like Bailey out here, like, running around. and. No, but... Uh, I'm sure he's more mobile than Hoyer, but... Maybe they just thought a bunch of screens and short passes, and then Bailey Zappi came out and said, we're going to throw more than five yards down the field. Yeah, and yeah. they're just like, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, let's relax. He was 10 of 15 for 100 yards. <laughs> Let's calm down. <laughs> that's that's about ten yards a pass. I don't know. I'm still. I'm just not optimistic. I mean, I'm optimistic. Even, even though I've been the optimistic one for the first three weeks, I'm, I'm just listen. Not. I'm optimistic in the fact that like other people thought like it's going to be a complete disaster, and I'm like, hey, we might win like a game or two here with before Mac comes back with Bailey. Detroit. Detroit. Here's the thing. Even if they score a lot of points, they don't really win games. Who, Detroit? Yeah. No, I know. How many points? Actually, like, I'm going to go look this up. I want to look up there. The only issue is is why, I, even with Bailey now, I don't think they're going to win that game. Is No matter how good you think the Pats' defense is, as long as Swift and Amon Ra are back, they're not going to be able to keep Detroit's offense down. And, well, like, do you really want Bailey Zappi in this offense getting into a shootout? You they don't. said they might sit Swift for two weeks just to make, oh, they sure, did? They, just to make sure he's, like, really healthy when okay. he comes back. But I, I think St. Brown is going to play. Yeah, I think he will, too. And it's not like Swift's backup is bad. Well, they have they have Jamal to, Williams so many going Williams. off. I think that's the the, the big Williams from BYU, isn't it? Jamal. Yes, it is. Yes, okay. it is. It's hard to it's hard to get the Williams running back straight. No, you I know have, how many there are. I yeah, know. yeah. There's Javante. There's Jamal. There's uh, Demarcus. Damian. I don't know. Damian. Oh, no, no st- Damian. No, you're right. Damian. Damian. Not Demarcus. Damian Williams. <laughs> I don't know where he is right now. I, I don't either. I don't think a he's free agent. Yeah. No, I know he's somewhere. I just don't think it's KC anymore. It's not KC. Okay. That. No. Yeah. So. But as I said, yeah. I do have hope for them with Bailey Zappi. I think I think they have a chance to at least win a game or two here before Mac comes back. That's another discussion though with the high ankle sprain. There's the talk that 
the Pats want a certain timetable. Mac wants a different timetable. Mm. Bill was uh, dismissive of any talk about that, as always, <laughs> because Bill doesn't answer a question about anything. Uh, but he gives you that smirk sometimes, too, yeah. to makes me think that, like, this is a real discussion going on behind closed doors. Detroit is averaging 36 points a game. That's insane. For the season? Yeah. That's that a, the Lions? Yeah. Yeah. That must lead the NFL. It does. And they're... But they're breaking up 39, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my favorite team. Actually, I love you know that. I'll do that math, too. Yeah. That's a big... No, they... they they, they think they're in the Big Twelve. I was, I was just going to say they could play in the back. <laughs> yeah, they could. No, they could. It's no, they they are the most entertaining watch yeah. in the NFL today, in my opinion. I can see a round robin between Central Michigan, Western, Eastern, and Alliance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, they gave up forty-one points to Geno Smith on Sunday. So I mean, this off uh, this defense is awful, but. I don't know. I, I still think you can't get into a shootout. I don't care how good the Pats' defense is. It could be a fun game, though. It could be. And they're only giving up 34 points a game. Oh, okay. <laughs> good so. job on the math there. <laughs> so they're 1-3, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I cannot, As somebody a little bit critical of the NFL, I can't believe that the team that's averaging 36 scored and 34 hits. I, I don't... <laughs> I don't see that kind of wide open football. And it's but. the man that everyone left for debt, Jared Goff. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of Amon Ross, St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, <laughs> no, and I Jamal know. Williams. I know. But oh, I he, think Goff deserves a lot of credit, though. He does. I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, right now, I'd take Jared Goff over Baker Mayfield. Sure. I would, too. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, if you can just give Goff the protection, <laughs> he can run the offense and get it where it needs to be. So... Mm. I, know, I, th- I think Jared deserves some credit here. All right. Last thing we're going to talk about in this, let's talk about the Packers now. I know the thinking is they have Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. They'll be fine. It's rookie wide receivers. They'll get immaculated. And, you know, by midway point, late point of the season, they'll be off and humming and fine. I know I'm an Aaron hater, so I know maybe I'm skewed on this. But the more I watch it, the more I think – this team is severely limited, and I don't think it's really. I don't. I can't see it getting a lot better. Mm, I mean, and you're the guy. You're you're Mister the whole time. Packers are still winning the division. Packers are still winning the division. Yeah. This this game change your tune at all on that? No, not really. Okay. Because I mean, I still think it. It can't get much worse. It has to get at least a little better. They're relying a lot on uh, young wide receivers. Uh huh. And, you know, if Lazard can stay healthy, I don't like him as a number one, but I like him as a decent wideout. Um, so, I mean, there's there's potential here. Do I think they'll ever even grow into a great offense this year? No. Mm-hmm. But if you grow into a comparable offense and a, the defense is doing okay, mm-hmm. why can't they make a, a push in that terrible NFC? Because the Vikings look pretty good. They do. They at times themselves look like they still have problems. Kirk cannot play I, in Kirk, prime time. Kirk can't play in prime time. I get that. And the defense sometimes leaves a lot to be desired. Um, but I think the offense deserves a lot of credit. The New Orleans Saints defense is still really good. It is. And and one of the reasons they were losing games is because Winston was turning the ball over, not because the defense wasn't shutting people down. 
Um, they were able to move the ball when they needed to against the Saints. They've won back-to-back close games. Situational football seems pretty all right to me. Um, they had the disaster against the Eagles, but that was a tough spot. Monday night, prime time. You just beat the Packers. Everybody's riding high. This is Philly's coming out party. Like, that happens in the NFL. I thought since then they've looked pretty much like the team I thought they'd be. And if the Packers can't run the football, I mean, they just not... They can, though. I know, but if they... If, but they run it as well as anybody, I think. I mean, yeah, until they play Tampa and go nine drives and can't score any points well, in the second I, half. That happens. I know it happens, <laughs> but you know, you you predicated your statement with "I know I'm an Aaron hater." I think that says it all. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, I there's, think that's a very good football team. Still, I think it, I didn't say they're a bad. There's no, okay. there's no pre. You got a lot of new faces at wide receiver. The guy you threw ninety nine percent of your passes is gone. Then there's no preseason. No. Of course, it's going to be a little rusty at first. Okay, I get that. By the end of the year, Rodgers to Watson is going to be maybe the best combination in the NFC. Okay, but the oh, minute. The, oh wow! But the, I wouldn't go that far, okay. but. I'm not saying they're a bad team. I'm just saying they're limited, and because of their limitations, I don't think they're. I don't think they're winning the division, and I think there's a hard cap on what they can do in the playoffs. Consi- uh, they also consistently now for the last three, four years under Lafleur, continue to not be able to stop the run all that well on defense either. I mean, you can run it on Green Bay, and you have for a while. The now. Patriots showed that for a while. Yeah. Yes, they did. Okay. Uh, this is why they're always a terrible matchup when they have to face the 49ers. You know, they have problems against San Francisco. I don't think that's gotten better, and now they've gotten less dynamic on offense. I just, I think there's a hard cap to what this team okay. can do. We the, minute, the minute Dobbs and Watson make a mistake, Aaron doesn't want to throw them the ball again. But I really like Dobbs. I know you do. I I like Dobbs, but the minute he makes a mistake, Aaron, I'm not going to throw you the ball again now for the rest of the half. He, he can only be so picky with that right now. So as soon as a kid makes a mistake, it's everything that goes to Cobb? Is yeah. that pretty much it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Cobb or Lazard, and you can't win yeah. a football game that way. No, but like he... Do you realize before that Pats game so far, they had one score in the second half of games all season? The Patriots did? No, the Packers. Oh. I think it's going to get better. It can't get really worse. Because, like, it's not, it is very boring offensive football. It's very mundane because mm-hmm. it's only, they are limited. But, like, I, I like Dobbs. Come on, Watson's got potential. He just needs the ball more. But, like, you know what Aaron needs? He needs another ayahuasca retreat. <laughs> Can't get back with his inner self and liking people again. It's been too long since he got high. Maybe it'll make him patient. <laughs> that was the bye week for them. Uh, I don't know. I think in week 10. Let's see if he's way too happy when he comes back. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Honestly, Green Bay should just pay for his plane down to Peru. Yeah, Hackett can come, make Hackett. him laugh again. Oh, Nathaniel, Hackett's going to want a reason to get away by that point. So, yeah, maybe maybe Hackett can come, do some ayahuasca, and maybe he'll be maybe he'll be a better coach. He'll make Aaron laugh. <laughs> he'll make Aaron laugh. Somehow Denver's 2-2, two two, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yes, <laughs> They're the best. Well, you call them despite the, the coach, right? You, you said they're the worst best team, or worst good team. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. their coach is bad, but the roster yeah. is good. Yeah, but all right, one so, of the best paper teams I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, but their coach is completely over his head. All right, so Detroit, what do we think next week? Who's winning? Patriots. You think the Pats are winning? Yes, Dad. You have a do you have a perspective? Here? Patriots will oh. win this game. Yes. Uh, okay. Big 12 all the way, baby. Detroit Lions. No, they can't keep up 36 whatever points a game. 38, 38, 31. 
Lions? Yeah. Okay. No, this is the Patriots will stop the the Goff. He, they love messing with Goff. They'll be fine. A, 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 a Patriot game, I don't think, will ever be that high scoring because they run the ball so much and going to make long, slow drives. I don't think you'll... Uh, don't worry. They a, won't let it get into a shootout. Don't we'll, worry. A safety will be out of position. <laughs> He'll do something stupid. <laughs> Linebacker's going to guess the wrong gap. On the Patriots? No, for Detroit. Oh, okay. You're yeah, right. No, so, no. so you can't have a slow, long drive, right? Yeah, no, no, no. Stevens will pop a 30-yard <laughs> right. run here. Harris, a 25-yarder <laughs> here. I mean, you can move the ball any way you want on Detroit. Yeah. No, they do have a terrible... I mean, they have a terrible defense. Yeah, it's... it's Defense. Some of the worst I've seen ever in the NFL. They let the Geno Smith conversation continue. Yes, they have. <laughs> All right. So with that, we're going to take a quick break, guys, and then we will get into some of the college football talk. We'll talk Oklahoma, the stadium of recruiting in general, and also Brian Harson and Auburn. Stick with us, guys. And we are back here at Slow Your Roll. Guest in the house, Larry Lorenzano, usually our college football guy that we talk to through Zoom. But he is in studio right now with us, visiting down there from South Carolina. And we'll get right into your area here. And I know you're going to disagree with me heavily on the first topic. We're going to go here. Jesse, you can just take the next three segments off. Rest up. Get get your voice ready to go. (laughs) But anyway. So. So the Sooners get curb stomped by TCU, 55-24, to 24, I believe was the final. Could have been 17. Who knows? The game was over about, about halfway through the second. No, basically the beginning of the second quarter. The game was over. Um, my issues with Oklahoma are far beyond this game and the coach Venables. I think maybe they whiffed on the coach. Venables might just be a coordinator. That's an easy fix. Here's the problem. And it's something I would love, if I ever could, to get Lincoln Riley in a room, sit down, and have it off air so he, he could be able to say things he wouldn't say on air and realize if he thought the same thing that I think and that a lot of people in college football and recruiting are starting to think, which is when Texas and Oklahoma went to the SEC. Now, this started earlier once A&M went to the SEC. The SEC got more of a hand in Texas recruiting than it had before. Now you're going to add Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. I have my issues with Sark, but Texas is a big enough brand, it's Austin, it's attractive to people, and there's a lot of money and a lot of boosters behind it that I think now, in spite of my issues with Sark, Texas will be successful. Um, Now you bring in Oklahoma in this situation. 
The state of Oklahoma now is not great for football recruits anymore. It's gotten worse in the last 10 years. The last recruiting class, there was only one five-star kid in the state of Oklahoma, only a handful of four stars, and then just a bunch of guys. One of the reasons that makes these SEC jobs so attractive is when you go down to LSU, uh, even Mississippi, Georgia, obviously, and Bama, these coaches, they can get sometimes 60 to 70% of their recruiting class without getting on a plane. That is not doable at Oklahoma. Um, It's especially even less doable than it used to be now. You mix that in with what is attractive about going to Oklahoma? (laughs) Norman, Oklahoma, do you think 18, 19, 20-year-old kids are going to want to go there? Not really. Um, The state of recruiting, I think, when the NIL came in, is about to get... It's one of the most drastic changes that will change the landscape of college football um, more than just about anything else has ever done before. There's a reason I call it the Texas Tech effect because why all of a sudden is Lubbock, Texas and the Red Raiders near the top of a recruiting class? It's all money. It's all money. And Oklahoma now is going to have even more of trouble going into Texas and getting recruits. Lubbock and Texas is closing off the northern part of the state. Austin and Texas is on their way back. SEC teams already had their hand in there. Now they'll have it even more in. Oklahoma is going to come into the SEC with probably, what, maybe the fifth? maybe at best fourth best roster and personnel within the SEC, that's not going to lend itself to getting a lot of kids to want to go there when they're getting stomped out by Alabama or Georgia or potentially LSU once Kelly gets it rolling in a year or two. And forget about Oklahoma going into Louisiana, Georgia, or Alabama and getting any of those kids to come to Oklahoma. It's not going to happen. It's, it's just not. It'll be similar to what happened to Nebraska when they moved to the Big Ten which is all of a sudden they lost their recruiting bases and kids who went to Big Ten schools and Big Ten states don't want to go to Nebraska. It's the same thing here. I think Oklahoma is having Texas closed off to it now. Lincoln Riley going to Southern California. That closes off Southern California for even many of the SEC teams. It'll especially close it off for Oklahoma. And I don't see Oklahoma being able to go into Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, or Florida and getting those kids to come to Norman, Oklahoma. So I think it's going to get harder and harder for Oklahoma to get the recruits and be able to keep up with all these SEC schools. When Texas and Oklahoma left for the SEC, I said, careful what you wish for. And I think at the end of the day, because of the money that resides in Austin and the brand, Texas will be okay. They will get through it. I think Oklahoma in five to six years is going to be a lot closer to Nebraska football than they are Georgia, Alabama, and playoff teams. That's my opinion on Oklahoma moving forward. You can call me crazy. You can go for no, it. No, no, you make you make good points. I'm speechless. I just I'm sad. I, I I'm a conservative. I, I hate change. I, know. I love tradition. <laughs> I want the scooter sooner to be schooning along forever. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'm not one of those. I don't want to worship Lincoln Riley and, and say the world is going to end because he left for L.A. Well, and that's not what you're saying. No, so I, I, like, I think I like your point. I think Lincoln saw this on the horizon exactly. when Oklahoma and, went to and, the SEC. And, and I'm more impressed with your point because you didn't say it's all because Lincoln Riley took off. No. But yeah. And you make some good points. Um, now, Lincoln Riley's departure adds another layer to the problem because at least we're, if Lincoln Riley had stayed at Oklahoma. I would have still been confident in Lincoln's ability to go to Southern California and get wide receivers and quarterbacks. Right, to steal kids because USC still wasn't getting them all. Exactly, and because Lincoln Riley is still Lincoln Riley. I mean, if you want to be a professional quarterback, 
Why not go to Oklahoma? I right. mean, look look at Jalen Hurts right now. I mean, he's in the running for an MVP. If he yeah. doesn't get Lincoln Riley's coaching, do you think he even makes it in the NFL? No. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that I think the situation could be better if Lincoln had left. I mean, if Lincoln had stayed. Yep. But I still think it would have been a problem. And I think, I assume, I mean, Lincoln's a smart guy. He's around this stuff. I don't. I don't think it's a coincidence that he left the year after the SEC with, thing announcement. With, with the SEC planting its flags throughout Texas, mm-hmm. is ba- are are Baylor and TCU done too? Baylor will be okay because Waco is isolated. Um, the Texas brand for these kids still does mean a lot. Um, if Baylor went to the SEC, I think it'd be a problem because kids would see them getting stomped out all the time. But they'll be able to play in the Big 12 and they'll still have good records. They'll still be ranked. And kids will want to stay close to home. So I think Baylor will be okay. Um, Do you think, you know, SEC reputation is so grand. Do you think, um, I mean, after Bama and Georgia, is the SEC any better than the Big 12? Yeah. Texas A&M overrated, am I right? I think A&M is overrated. LSU, usually overrated. Yes. Auburn's weak almost. But LSU, I think, has only been bad because they had bad coaching. Yeah. And they Um, they had to recover from the couple of years with... um, With Ed Orgeron. If if they can just be patient, which is always the problem... They'll be back to being LSU soon. Um, Which is the problem with an SEC fan base is they don't give coaches enough time, which they need to. Um, I think Brian Kelly could get LSU humming very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, if you look at the recruiting classes that Ogeron was still able to bring in in his final two seasons, um, add that with the NIL stuff, kids aren't going to leave Louisiana as long as LSU is viable. It's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So LSU will be just fine. I believe A&M is only overrated because I think Jimbo Fisher is an elite recruiter. I do not believe that he is the elite head coach, though. Um so yeah. that's becoming more evident all it, the time. It is, yeah. and and so do I think some of these SEC teams get overrated a little bit? Yes. My thing though is, other than Vanderbilt, the bottom of the SEC is still better than the bottom of almost any conference. I mean, all of a sudden, Kentucky is a decent football team. I mean, they're no cakewalk. Yeah. Um, South Carolina, I still don't think it's a cakewalk. They always go through turmoil when they're changing regimes. But again, there's plenty of prospects and plenty of good recruits in South Carolina. They're able to get high-end talent still on that team. So, And you know they're going to pull off at least one, maybe two upsets in the conference play when it's Exactly. So if you're going to ask me right now, is the SEC head and shoulders better than every other conference in the Big 12 as much as everyone thinks? No, I don't think so. But in three years, when Texas is joined and the SEC is getting their hands even more into a lot of the state of Texas um, and stuff like that, then I think the SEC will continue to skyrocket. Which is going to lead me to another subject, except the Big 12 is going to follow them when they add either four teams out of Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, or Washington and Oregon. And that's that's my prediction. Yeah, I know you think that. That two or four of them is going to go to the Big Twelve, I, I, and a Big Twelve is going to be a major player. Again. It could be. It could be again. Yeah. Okay. And 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 to me, if there's any chance for any conference to challenge the SEC, it is the Big Twelve. It is not the Big Ten. Really? I think the Big Ten is extremely top heavy, and I don't think that'll change. Right. Um, again, even though even though that's they're getting away from that this year, actually. They are. Maryland's better. Illinois is better. Purdue yeah. is better. Yeah. It is, but in in the recruiting in the NIL and the recruiting stuff. 
how attractive is it going to be to go to most of those Big Ten schools? Um, Geographically isolated, a lot of them. Right. Cold weather. Yep. Certain systems of running offenses in a lot yep. of them. Uh, it I never think, gets to the academics yet either. And, and, and that's not even to bring in the academics right. for a lot of the schools. Yeah. This is why I think that I think the Big 12 actually has a better chance of Good keeping point. up with the SEC. Yeah. Um, you get a lot of boosters and a lot of money and a lot of people that are crazy about their football teams and don't care about the academics with Baylor. With Houston, um, you know, with with a lot of these schools yeah. that you don't have the same financial commitment, actually, with right. some of the Big Ten schools that you might think that you do. Yep. Okay. And back to your point about Oklahoma, um, um, and I just wanted to, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna add to your point and and back you up when you talked about Norman is not uh, a place where kids dream of being in. No. Norman, Oklahoma, and I, you know, somebody might counter with that. And say, well, what is so special about Tuscaloosa, Alabama? And the answer is Nicholas Saban. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's right? the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing that makes it attractive. Mm. And then the other thing that makes Alabama—it's not—it's not about Alabama being attractive. It's just the other part, which I talked about. Oklahoma doesn't provide a lot of great recruits within the state. You have to leave the state. Nick Saban doesn't have to leave See, the state of Alabama. See, that really Oklahoma that week on foot producing players? Yes, it is. Oh. It's, it's, and it's gotten weaker in the last 10 years. Mm. Um, some of the oil stuff has dried up a little bit in Oklahoma. It hasn't in Texas much yeah. at all. So you have a, a even more migration of people moving even further south down to the Texas what, area. What do you think the key is to Gundy's success? I, I think just consistency. I, I just think letting the guy stay there and build up a reputation. I think that's really all it is. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, if Oklahoma State went to the SEC, I, I would be singing the same tune right now for them. I think they'd be in a lot of trouble, but they're staying in the Big 12, which is what they need to do. So. And, that, and, and by the way, one of the things you brought up, I just want to uh, bring up one point because it goes along with what I've said for years when I talk football with you, Dominic, is is patience. And you mentioned patience, you know, mm-hmm. and stability. It's mm-hmm. so important. You talked about Sometimes to the programs in the SEC, they don't want to wait. No. They don't want to wait. Tennessee's been an example of that. Um, although the last coach uh, before uh, Heifer looked like he had to go. Yeah. But, um, um, but when you get to that patience thing, uh, you know, Oklahoma State, stability with Gundy. Mm. But patience in Lexington, Kentucky, letting Stoops do his thing for yeah. years yes. until, he, until he, he, he got his program developed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's one of the keys that, that these a lot of these programs are missing. And that's why some of these SEC schools can be <laughs> a little bit in flux right. a lot of the time. Um, and hopefully the people in Columbia let um, let Beamer have some time and don't, yes. you know, if they go four and eight this year and four and eight next year, they hope they don't can them after three years. It, it takes longer. It does take longer than yeah. that. And, and they probably shouldn't. But, but you never know with these <laughs> fan bases. <laughs> It's pretty wild. Okay, well, good point. Yeah, I, I don't have much to argue about. About you could be right about Oklahoma, and um, hopefully you're wrong. And uh, hopefully the Sooners remain a power. Um, we shall see. That was um, that was a shocking development. I'm not <laughs> um, sure who they have next week either. I'm going to check that. While you check, let's move on to the next okay, topic we'll really quick. That. I mean, we already touched on it a little bit. The general state of recruiting. Okay, the um, general state, which is how much I think this is drastically going to change now, and. We talked about how the SEC is going to benefit. There is one SEC school, though, that I do think 
is not going to benefit in a lot of ways. They are going to take some steps back, and I think you're already seeing it a little bit. Bama is not quite as dominant this year as they've been in years past. Now, they will still get great recruits. They will still get plenty of five-star recruits. However, once you lose a second wide receiver here or a third wide receiver here or or a second five-star running back here or a third one here, Bama's not going to have the same depth that they used to. LSU has competent coaching now with Brian Kelly. Georgia's up and running. Both LSU and Georgia actually are significantly better places to recruit. They have significantly more elite talent in those states. Oh, they certainly do. Georgia's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and and they actually have more financial backing than Alabama does that yeah. people don't realize. So Nick Saban, and, and you were here for this rant, Nick Saban is now facing a, a siege okay. that he has not faced before in a very, very long time. So that's how the landscape of the SEC in recruiting is going to change in that one. The next one to talk about is Oregon. Oregon is the wild card in this situation to me because Oregon does at least have a a bargaining chip or a, a sales pitch that some of the other schools that I've said in trouble don't. And that is Phil Knight, his money, and the Nike brand. Yep. There is something attractive about Oregon, and Oregon needs to pick its spot now very carefully about where they want to go. I would suggest that you go Big 12 or you go ACC uh, if the Pac-12. I mean, honestly, even if they try to save the Pac-12 at this point for recruiting and for them trying to save the program and, and keep them at the echelon that they've been the last couple of years, they have got to find a way to get that footprint in Texas and in the South at least. They already do. Oregon. They do, but if but the Pac- Believe me, I know. They recruit very I, well in Texas. I, I know, okay. but okay. as the Pac-12 gets weaker and weaker- It's going to be more difficult. Do right. you think- I, I think it's going to be harder and harder. I, I think they need to get into the ACC or the Big 12. Mm-hmm. One of the two. Well, the, in order to play games the down ACC there- ACC is absurd uh, uh, geographically. I hope they don't even think I, about I that. I know, yeah. but I mean- <laughs> Everything would seem kind of absurd geographically. Yeah, but for that's Oregon. really bad. It is. It is. But it's but it's a southern footprint still. Yeah. At least Virginia has recruits. The Carolinas have recruits. You're at least getting your footprint somewhere it needs yeah. to be. And you don't. Um, you, I made a point um, uh, in civilian life with you uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't think you don't think there's any chance of um, the the. Uh, academic leaders in California putting a serious stop to the UCLA move to the Big Ten? You know? No, I don't. Okay. I don't okay. think so. Yeah. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but I will say this. Uh, the talk has continued around Oregon going to the Big Ten. I still don't think it would happen. They don't bring enough TV revenue to but justify Washington sharing with it with them. more. Is, is Washington going to be true. with them? That's yeah. true. That could be true. I'm and very may- surprised they didn't go after maybe Washington. maybe that is true. I will say this, though. Yeah. I think it'd be a mistake for Oregon and Washington to go to the Big Ten. I think they have to do something more to get that footprint in mm-hmm. the South. So I think it would make more sense for them see, to go I SEC, see, ACC. I see a scenario with 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 Newsom and his friends in California saying, you know, <clears throat> UCLA is part of the Cal educational system. This does not make sense for this state school to, to have to ship their volleyball and water polo players to Madison, Wisconsin <laughs> all year long. It's not fair to those kids. And we're not going to make the move. And the Big Ten says, okay, we'll go and take bring in the Seattle TV market. I just think it's perfect. I, it could happen. Because why get two L.A. schools and get one L.A. and one Seattle? Yeah, and, and I get that. It, it does kind of make sense. Yeah. 
I, I feel like Newsom should have more things to worry about <laughs> than, than whether UCLA wants to go to the Big Ten or not, but yeah. whatever. Be that as it may, if it does happen, maybe that makes sense. But as I said before, I still think it would be a mistake for Oregon to go to the Big Ten. I think they need yeah. to join okay. a Southern Conference. Well, again, I'm, you know, I wasn't saying Oregon go. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm just, I want to say that because USC can do it because it's USC. It's it's Hollywood, baby. It's California. Like it's attractive. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you have Lincoln Riley there. Yeah. So they'll they'll recruit now in the South, regardless of if they're playing games in the South yep. and in Texas. Oregon, I think you gotta be at least playing a lot of games down there. And yeah. you need to be obviously in a better conference. So Okay. All right. So the last college football thing we're gonna touch on before we go back to some stuff that uh Jesse can can chime in on again. I wanna talk about this one real quick. We were talking about patience. Let's talk Brian Harson and Auburn. I think of delusional fan bases, I think Auburn might take the cake. In you said this before too. Because yeah. what makes a job attractive? You have to have a great recruiting base that you can get 50% or more of, the, of your class every year without leaving the state. And you can't be second fiddle in your state. You can't be? No. Okay. To be a great job, to be a great job, I don't think you can be second fiddle. You especially can't be playing second fiddle to a dynasty type program in your own state. As long as Nick Saban is there, I don't think this is a great job. And Auburn continues to think that they should be a blue chip, great, competing for a national title every year. And it's, Why and did it's they like, get the two title games in the last 15 years? Or 10? Because you still get talent, but they get mad the minute that they're not going to a national championship game. They've had good coaching. They've had good teams. But yeah. to think that you were going to consistently put a team okay. on the Their field. Their expectations are just too high. They're too, they're too high. You are second fiddle in a state yeah. with the premier program and premier coach in all of college football. Yeah. And you're in a state that while a good recruiting base, it's not Florida, it's not Georgia, and it's not Texas. It's not. So you're not having it's probably not even Louisiana and it's not no it's not Louisiana either so it's not such a crazy plethora of five star four star talent right. that you're going to be able to share it with Alabama enough to make you consistently good enough right. to field a team that should be competing for a national championship every year but here we are again Brian Harson in his second year it looks like he's about to get fired in his second year I know no patience <laughs> right but whatever, I, and I, I still don't think they should have fired Gus Malzahn. It, no, but there's other issues with Harrison too. I think about recruiting and this and that. And, yeah, and very unhappy players who just transferred the heck out of getting out of um, Auburn. You know? I, I know there's other stuff too, and, and we don't know the details here. But. but when you've had instability for a while, yeah. you don't give Gus a chance. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that was a mistake. I know. Even I know. though Gus beat Saban twice, right? Um, I know. There was no reason to fire Gus Mal. That's where that's where the expectations are way too high. Malzahn is doing a, a very good job at yeah. Auburn, and, and these people think like, oh, we should be national contenders every year. I'll yeah. say it again: you are playing second fiddle in yeah. what the seventh ranked state in recruiting, eighth. Hmm. I mean, I lower. think lower even to oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably, Pennsylvania has more. That's what more. I thought. Like, yeah, I, like yeah. where are we where are we where are we rank in <laughs> the state of Alabama, California, Florida, Georgia. There's four right there. Yeah. Uh, even South Carolina. You could make the argument. It's yeah. close. Yeah. It's close. Um, you're playing second fiddle to the premier program in all of college football in a state that we're putting in the teens of, yeah. you know, 
talent as far as yeah. high school kids that you bring in. Yeah. It's just, it's a ridiculous standard it at is. Auburn. It is, it is. And yeah, you, there's and, a lot of that. A lot of these coaches get fired way too quickly. And, and now that the SEC is getting better than ever, this is not good for Auburn to mm-hmm. have this problem. You're going to have to deal with Brian Kelly. Right. You have Ole Miss on the run up now with, uh, uh, now I'm Lane Kiffin. Yep. You know, he's doing a great job there. So now, I, I think Auburn's in some trouble and they've done it largely to themselves. The SEC is so much is so much fun and even more fun if both Kiffin and... Um, and in Mississippi State. State are both doing great. I know. It's, it, the two Mississippi schools are doing well. It's, uh, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Uh, I know Jesse really loves that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Jesse. Do you imagine the Egg Bowl this year if they're both undefeated, Jesse? The what bowl? The Egg Bowl between <laughs> Old Miss and Mississippi bowl? State. The, the Egg Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thanksgiving never, Eve. Oh, no, oh, I've never heard of the Egg Bowl. <laughs> of course you wouldn't. You're from up here. All right. With that, though, we ought to cool it on the college football for a talk for just okay. a second. Jesse Caulfield, Can get I, us started on iPad. this next segment. Give me my iPad. Are you going to okay. videotape this one for you? Sure. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, I'm going to be a hater. These guys are so well prepared. I wish you guys could see it out there. <laughs> I mean. Was that a shot? There's a camera. I don't know if it's recording. No, it's not because Dokes ain't here. Oh. There we go. There's, that's me. Yes. Hey. Yep. You got the lights ruining everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm gonna be a hater. All right, cool. Because like, okay. we got one undefeated team left, and you know who they remind me of? Who? That Steelers team from like what was it like 2019? Oh yeah, that was like undefeated through like 11 weeks, but we we're all just sitting there being like, they weren't that special, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> this is like, what is it really about you? <laughs> and like, there's special things about this team. AJ Brown is one of the more special wide receivers in the league today, uh, and like Devonte Smith is kind of showing that like you know maybe he was worth the pick, mm-hmm. uh, but like. I don't know. Does it does anything about this team really jump out at you as the best team in football right now, first place amongst everyone? It kind of doesn't. No. You mentioned Jalen Hurts. Oh, he's competing for an MVP right now. And sure, through week four, I think he's maybe the leader in MVP voting right now. But is Jalen Hurts that special? No. No. I, and, and I've liked the step he has taken mm-hmm. in becoming more of an NFL-ready yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just a more all-around quarterback. Reading defense is better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he he liked to really just run out of the pocket sometimes for no reason. He's kind of closed that down a little bit. Um, but I just, I look at this team and there's nothing really special. You're 4-0 against the Lions. Mm-hmm. You beat them in a shootout because they have no defense. You, want, you score 38 points. The Vikings game, that's probably the biggest, like, oh, indication that this might be a good team. And we even picked them to win their division. Mm-hmm. But we picked them to win what we thought was going to be the weakest division in football. Mm -hmm. They then played the Commanders. Commanders suck. Mm -hmm. They played Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. He was under siege all day. Mm -hmm. No one really even cared about Jalen Hurst that day. It was about just the defense constantly sacking Wentz, which is good. You know, good to have uh, good players on both sides of the ball. And then you just beat the Jaguars, who I know what we said about the Jaguars. They're going to win the South, AFC South. But do we really like the Jaguars that much either? No, and also no, we don't. Jack, and go look at uh, go look at all the traveling Jacksonville's done recently. Oh, really? I mean, have they? So, so pro gamblers. That was one of the biggest biggest ones that was hit over the weekend. Was people betting on Philly because Jacksonville had just had a huge big win against the Chargers. You know, getting all the hype, but they had had to travel a bunch of miles the previous couple of weeks back and forth to a bunch of places. I don't buy it. What? 
Uh, if you're playing once a week, I don't buy the travel thing being a big thing. Oh, it is after a while. I think after a while it, it can is. add up. It is. The Charger game was at home, right? Yeah, but they were they were out somewhere else before that. You have the big standalone, the biggest win Jacksonville's had in, in how long? Oh, long time. Yeah. This is that playoff win. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then you have to go play Philly. Like, yeah. Sure. Hey, that's all. I like all that points you just made there. Yeah. But the point is, do we see Philly? As the number one team in the NFL. Well, let me point I just kind of don't. I'm bringing up my statistics, Jesse. Of, of this is the Eagles at at the Cardinals next week. Yeah, Eagles favored by five. Isn't that quite a bit of at at Arizona? Uh, I mean, yes. Isn't Arizona still above average? Mm. Oh, I don't know. Uh, they kind of look like a hot thing. mess sometimes. They could go into Arizona, beat Arizona's butt. And I still would be sitting there being like, "Do you really think Philly is a good five so and Arizona's O team?" Arizona's nothing special. Okay. No, they're they're kind of a mess. Oh, okay. They're they're awful in the first half <laughs> because Kyler doesn't prepare, and then they just <laughs> and then they just go, and then Kyler just lets his talent take over in the second half, and they make games games. Did, so let's get back. Did Lincoln Riley do a bad job with Kyler? They were Norman. No, he did a good job. Oh, okay. But he's only there for but one you, year, and you can't change someone's personality. Yeah, he didn't. Thank you. You don't teach. He's not sitting there teaching them character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can only do so much for that. Yeah. And I I did love that remark that came out after the uh, was it the, the wide receiver who said it about Kyler's preparation? Who said that? Oh, Gerald. Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald. It was Fitzgerald. Was yeah. he the one who said about yeah not preparing and yeah. yeah 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 it was. And we've talked about on this show that like you know his stats go down during Call of Duty double XP weekends. He yeah. he loves his gaming and that gets in the way. Well, they they put the if you ever have to put a clause in a player's contract that he must study a certain amount of time. I don't care they took it out. The fact that it was in there to start with. Yeah, well, that's started the controversy. That clause yeah. being yeah, in there. You're yeah. you're but, overpaying. But <laughs> and and you know at first I didn't think it was as big of a deal. But if you look at teams, especially teams that are offensively limited, right? Usually the beginning of the game is where you're supposed to be the best because right. you're that's- on script. We right. script out the first two, three drives. Well, Belichick and Brady for f- first drive for years was an automatic touchdown. It was, exactly. it was beautiful. You put the game out at one o'clock and the pass were up seven nothing at ten past. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You should be better at the beginning of a game offensively. Offensively, Let they the defense are, has to catch up. But. They are dreadful in the beginning of games. Uh-huh. Like dreadful. Does Clingsbury deserve some? Oh, Cliff deserves plenty. Yeah. I mean, listen, I never got the hire. I don't know if he can coach still. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't even good at Texas No, Tech. he was a failure in college. I mean, it was a funny move. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if Cliff can coach, but I know that if Kyler had a clause about studying and the complete opposite of what the, you should be in the NFL, which is you're awful at the beginning of games. You know, this is going to lead me to another comment about you NFL fans and this coaching thing. And um, maybe it's because I'm an old man now, but... What is it? These, I swear, coaches, it's now a Hollywood thing. Yeah. Do you have to look like Kingsbury, Lafleur? Uh, uh, what's Mc, the guy in the Rams? McVay. Yeah. You have to have the, the beautiful. Shanahan. They have to have the younger. beautiful skin, the beautiful looks, the two day growth. <laughs> <laughs> What happened to Tom Landry and Don Shula? <laughs> I don't know. It's a copycat league. That's it, all it, it is. It is. It is. Okay. Yeah. Well, even with going on that. Obviously, we'd all rather have Kyler Murray's talent, mm-hmm. but would you rather have Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray? Uh, right now, Jalen Hurts, just because he's at least coachable. Yes. But Is I he- want to go into the Philly stuff again, okay. real quick. It's, to your point, I will say this in defense of Philly. They do have an identity, and they do something better, 
by far than anybody else in the league. Cleveland is close. They run the football. Well, thank you, Penn State, Niles Sanders. <laughs> They've run the football yeah. better than anybody yet. in the league, and yeah. they are a weird, they, unique matchup for teams. But they won't give the ball to Kenneth Gainwell. I know. I don't know why. <laughs> why? He got some passes last game. Because of Miles Sanders. Well, and Boston Scott was out. Right. Yeah. Um, so they, Scott took a lot of Sanders carries last year, but yeah, they do have a certain identity and something they do better than just about anyone else in the NFL. So I will give them that. But to the Jalen Hurts and his growth, and he has gotten significantly better, they are what I talked about most NFL teams, especially one with certain problems or limitations on offense. They are significantly better in the first half than they are in the second half. I mean, the Vikings game, they didn't actually really score uh, in the Vikings game in the second half. After a perfect first half. Detroit, Detroit, they put up like 30 points on them in the first half and then let Detroit come roaring back while Philly did nothing in the second half. They continued that for most of their games. Um, the only one that they hasn't been like that was last week against Jacksonville. That's the only time that they've had an effective offense in the second half. But most of these games, they are really not that great offensively in the second half. So I think there's limitations to this team that make me go, there's no way they're the best team in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think they will probably run away with their division because yes. we don't like the Cowboys, Commanders, and the other one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, when I just look at this team, I just can't sit there and go, well, this this is definitely, they're the only 0-4 team for a reason. No, yeah. they, they had a kind of an easy schedule. Oh, yeah. They have they have an identity, which is big. Yeah. You know, that that's one of the, we think the Cardinals' biggest problem is just these are just a bunch of guys in I, Arizona. I, as somebody who's not as big in the NFL, I think identity is one of the reasons the league bothers me. You don't have... Uh, yeah, I think all these teams are the same. I mean, that's my and that, a lot I don't of them. Think, I don't um, think there's many teams with in identity a, in a copycat league. That's yeah. that's a little unsurprising. Well, yeah. When you say identity, are you, are you saying the Eagles are the most phys- one of the most physical teams in the league? I think that- they are the most physical okay. team in the NFL. Yeah. But they're also like they don't have any toxic people in the locker room. The no. leaders are clear. Mm-hmm. They're. Uh, it's just yeah. It's just a good. A good group of team guys. Yes. Of course, the the, yeah. the reputation is really physical now after the little blurb was about Jalen Hurts and his and his uh, bench pressing, right? Yeah. Oh I, yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. That was impressive. Yeah, no, it is. It's just I don't really know why you need your quarterback uh, you to don't. do that. I know. <laughs> I mean, when you're gonna run the ball as much as he does, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I, I guess. Um. So I will give him that. At the end of the day, though, they have similar issues that I say with the Packers, which is like they're gonna have to win games a certain way. Um, they can't get in the crazy shootouts. They have to get a lead, um, and they have to play well in the first half. And to me, at the end of the day, you can't be one of the best teams in the NFL or a Super Bowl contender if you can't win multiple ways. And I do think Philly does have a certain way they have to win. Yeah. So Jalen still is not a slinger to bring a team back from two touchdowns? No, okay. he's not. He, he's not. And even with Smith and um, even with no, him they, and Brown. They're just kind of doing what Miami is doing. They know they have a limited arm. Mm-hmm. Let's get... Big, fast guys that can make quick cuts, win the 50-50 balls, and just yes. make it easy on and is them. They, now, this is, again, where I'm not a huge NFL fan like you two. Is A.J. Brown that special? Yeah, he's good. Oh, he's the man. And yeah. he used to be in Tennessee, am I right? Yes. Yeah. Was he good there? Yes. Okay. Didn't he when grew he up here, here, too. He what? He grew up here, like in New England. Didn't he go to Ole Miss, though? Yeah, but like he was a Patriots fan. Did you know that? He wanted. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh. He wanted to. That pick they used on Nikhil Harry, mm-hmm. AJ Brown cried when they passed on him for Nikhil Harry. I'm going to start like, crying too. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like he was like, I'm going to be a Patriot. That was my dream. And they picked Nikhil Harry. Wow. Good point, Jesse. That's good. That's interesting. I'll cry with you, AJ Brown. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Is Harry is Harry still with another team? Was in the IR somewhere? He's on a, practice he's a, squad. Well, he's in IR somewhere. <laughs> I know oh, the Bears. He's on the Bears, right? Oh yeah, that's right. He is on the Bears. Did we take right. him ahead of Justin Jefferson too? Or was that a different draft? No, it was a different draft. Okay. Well, we took him ahead of. I think there, it was. There's DK, a whole bunch of guys no, that we was, didn't take. It was Debo, DK Metcalf, and AJ Brown. <laughs> yeah, Metcalf's the one I forgot about. I'm gonna get. <laughs> Which honestly, I mean, I think AJ Brown was the biggest offense of that because yeah. I mean, Debo has turned into a, a great player, but like AJ Brown was—he's a big guy. So you like you like Brown more than Metcalf or Samuel? Both. Well, we don't. Yeah, like, you don't like As Metcalf's pure- route running, and there's something other stuff about Metcalf that's just kind of average with the running back stuff, or excuse me, the wide receiver stuff. But like, I mean, AJ Brown was the man from day one. AJ Brown is the best pure wide receiver of those guys. Yes, basically, he is. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, definitely. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's big too. Yeah, great. His player. problem is just like he gets injured. Yeah, that's the biggest issue. But oh. all right. So anyway, not buying the Eagles here at four and zero is one of the best teams Listen, in the NFL. They'll be in the playoffs. They'll win their division. Yes, they'll probably they even win a playoff game. But like, come on. And I'll say it again: if they get the Packers in the playoffs, they are a bad matchup for Green Bay. Oh, because the run game. Because they are physical and they run the football very well. I don't think the Cowboys are as bad a team as everybody says, by the way. Am I crazy? Um, I have this conversation for another play, year. They, they suck. <laughs> Again. I hate them. This is what everybody does with Dallas. They get to play their dysfunctional division on primetime games. Oh, you get you get the Commanders. You get the Giants. They're going to put it on TV because you're the Dallas Cowboys. And everyone goes, oh, they're so good. In two weeks, Sunday Night Football, Cowboys and Eagles. Could be fun. Uh, I think. I mean, as much as we just, I just hate it on the Eagles. They, the Eagles should trash the Cowboys. Trash the Cowboys. Okay. Because I think it, so actually, too. you know what I've noticed? Conservative quarterback play doesn't is really keeps you in games. Doesn't necessarily win you games, but like we just saw with Bailey Zappi. Oh, Cooper Rush is what like three and zero as a starter now. Are they putting yeah. the limit on Cooper for the most part. Yeah, they are. Like, okay. it seems if you just if you're just playing very safe quarterback play. You have a chance to win this game, and that's a good. If somebody doesn't watch it as much football as you do, if you just look at box scores, which I do a lot of, the turnovers is, is like that's the deciding factor in stats almost every time. Whoever's more turnovers loses. It's not yeah. yard. It's not total yardage anymore. You know? No, and I think um, in your average game, there are certain teams where that doesn't matter. The Bills turned the ball over plenty of times yesterday. Yeah, they're an exception, and I think. still won. Yeah, well, Baltimore can do it too well, sometimes. Also- since he can do it with their weapons, uh-huh. the elite teams can be a little crazier, don't have to be as conservative, okay. turn the football over a few times and they'll be just fine. Okay. But if you are average, if you are closer to the pack of the you NFL, better have zero you better have zero and you better you better play a bit more conservative at quarterback. Yeah, and there's also like, you know, the Bills were turning the ball over in the first half. It's kind of, it's also about, can be time of turnover. Oh, yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's huge too. But like, the and they po- can make up for those mistakes with that offense. Yes, right. oh absolutely. But I'm, I'm also kind of making the point of like, we, we talked about how like, Offenses are behind, particularly offensive lines, mm-hmm. and I wonder if this is one of those. Um, well, it's part of the reason why Philly's doing well. Oh, because pro- they make it simple. We don't have to do a ton of pass protection. We're going to run the ball down your throat, and even when we do drop back to pass, you better keep somebody and spy on Jalen, and you can't get out of your rush lanes to go after Jalen. Straight man unblocking for the most part. Exactly. I guess, yeah. So I do. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that, even though I'm the one who's been bringing it up. So the no, lack no, of no. a preseason, a, a lack of the preseason, a short preseason helps the Eagles be. Or be just kind of the team. awkward preseason they had with like making the the linemen wear extra pads and they can't practice as hard. And it's we've yeah. talked about it for a couple of weeks now about like it's dangerous for the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And now like I'm, I'm kind of seeing a different uh, yeah. 
side effect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get it. All right. Moving on to the next topic. Let's talk about the Tua situation real quick. Um, I want to bring up the, the, the first, well, really was the second thing. But the second thing is, you know how Twitter and social media works. The second McDaniel says, oh, you know, two is okay. We were on a plane back together. We watched a movie together. You're having a good time. Everybody on Twitter. Well, if he has a concussion, you're not supposed to have screen time. Oh, that's stupid that he went on a flight. Oh, da, 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 da. Maybe that's all true. But like. This is after the first injury? No, no, no. This is after the second one. Oh, okay. okay. But here's my thing on this one. First off, Twitter people. <laughs> Suddenly we're all neurologists. <laughs> and second off, we've all done things that are probably not the best choice for our health, but we make that decision as grown adults anyway. I'm sure Tua made a decision as a grown adult to do whatever the heck he wanted after he was discharged and all that kind of stuff. So that's the second thing I want. It's the second thing that happened, but it's the first thing I want to bring up. But to the initial thing, though, um, I do have serious questions about Miami and its operation because your owner is suspended for tampering. You have a lawsuit with Brian Flores against them. So they have proved to do sketchy business before. I think there's legitimate, legitimate arguments and plenty of merit to the idea that Tua did have a head injury after the Sunday game. They lied about it so he could play the Thursday game. I, I think that has some serious merit to it. That's very serious if that's the case. <laughs> They're saying it was not a head injury, yes. pretty much. Even though if, if, you wa- if you watched yeah. the Sunday game, though, he looked wobbled. I heard. Yeah. <laughs> I heard. No, yeah. When, I and mean, they blamed it on an ankle injury. That's kind of funny, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. well, I mean, when you see the play, like he's trying to run up to do the next play and he just, he's just falling over. Oh, falling over. God. Yeah. And like, that's, you know, like you, you watch UFC, I watch it a little bit, like, you know, you get punched in the face sometimes, you're kind of wobbling for a little bit, but it went on yeah. for about like 30 to 45 seconds where he's being held up. Like he didn't come to pretty very quickly mm-hmm. and then they took him back to the i was gonna say the dugout the the locker room <laughs> and then he comes out for the next half and that was just immediately everyone was just like man you probably shouldn't have done that but like oh i guess if you passed him but like yeah i mean i've seen a lot of this like miami is showing themselves to be like that team everyone thought the patriots were for those 20 years <laughs> they're just dirty shady. don't care about anyone other than winning will do any by any means necessary just to win it's like it's like man like we don't like Tua, but like he was kind of proving himself to be a star this year, and you risked his health so he can come back in the second half of a game and on come back on a sh- uh, short, uh, yeah, short, short week, not even a whole week, yeah, for the Thursday game. So were you watching that live when that happened, or you just the saw first the, the first one when yeah. he was stumbling? Yeah, no, I saw that. Okay, so it's, I, was, I think it's, I was it's in a Louisville, Kentucky. If you're watching it live. I wasn't so. Okay. Yeah, no. They, I yeah. haven't heard anybody describe it quite like you did, who witnessed it live. Yeah, he was just stumbling around. His offensive line were holding him up, holding him steady. Like, yeah, and I'm not a conspiracy guy, but if you give me proof to think that there's questions, and as I said, you have a lawsuit against your owner, right, for intentionally trying to lose games and getting mad at the coach for not wanting to do it, and you're suspended for being proven to be tampering, so yeah. I know you run a shady operation. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's kind of what Brian Flores was saying when he first got fired. Like, yeah. he didn't specifically say, like, oh, they don't care about the health of their players. He never said anything like that, but, like... He, he, he made it seem like, yeah, like this, they are not to be trusted. Yeah, they will do whatever it takes to just make yeah. sure they have <laughs> what they want. Yeah. So get a good draft pick. Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. So when you give me multiple reasons to think that you run a shady operation, I will say there is merit to when we start talking about situations like this. And well, he cleared the tests. Did he clear the tests or did somebody ring down from the uh, oh, yeah. from and, the office? And somebody did get the, fired. The test. That's the key. The test. Yes. Yeah. Clay Travis was just on Fox today talking about this. And that is the key. What is the protocol? What are the tests? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. We're going to learn all about this in the next few weeks as they investigate. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, they did. Someone did get fired. Mm-hmm. Like on like Monday morning, mm-hmm. but like, was that was that for other stuff too? Oh, excuse me, Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Well, they said it was like, oh, they didn't. They it was very vague. They didn't conduct it properly and stuff like that. That's all they said. They didn't really say who. It just kind of seemed like, all right, yeah, someone took the fall for this. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be huge. I think it will be too. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but also just one more thing to those Twitter people that were spent two years saying no one's a doctor and now suddenly are doctors. Yeah. Um, generally, when you get released from the hospital that same day, it's okay to watch a little TV. Yeah. Like generally, they if they're going to keep you, that's when they're like, all right, no screens. Yeah. Like, you know, you shouldn't have a lot of screen time, but I've heard as long as you get released, like you're kind of okay. Yeah. Just if keep- they're releasing you, there's a reason for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Doctor. 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 Twitter okay. handle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And the last one. Right, you in two, also, in Tua's favorite show is Hawaii Five-0, I hear. Is that true? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then our last segment here before we go to our next break. Jesse, start it off again. Let's talk okay. about let's talk about Denver. Okay. I want to start off with a question. Yeah. Who do you think is a worse coach? Nathaniel Hackett or Urban Meyer? Because we defended Urban Meyer. Yeah. But a lot of stuff came out and we're like, all right, that was horrendous. Okay, here's the difference with Urban. I thought Urban was bad as far as locker room running, behind the scenes, all that kind of stuff. I didn't think Urban was actually an idiot in the game, on the field. Okay. I think Hackett is an idiot Okay. in the game. Is it more than that one game? Yeah. You just lost. lost What is his background before he got this head coaching job? He was the offensive coordinator at the Green Bay Packers. He made Aaron laugh. As Chris Collinsworth endorsement was his uh, his on their primetime game, Aaron said that Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Aaron Rodgers said Nathaniel Hackett, he was his darts buddy. They played darts together and he made him laugh. That's all he said? That's all he said. <laughs> so, so, so Hackett is like responsible for some of the play calling when the Packers had those opportunities against yes. Tampa Bay. and Nope, he wasn't. Oh, well, I thought... No, he, no, he didn't even call plays in Green Bay. Oh. Oh, head oh. coach? Oh. Matt LaFleur call, yeah, calls okay. plays. Okay. I thought Which he was talking about... Which is more why this is funny. I thought he was talking about like now. Like oh. Because yeah, mm. now he's just... No, he meant in Green Bay. Now he's just fumbling up plays. Yes. And he hired a man to be like... <laughs> Call a timeout. Yes. You should call a timeout. Yeah, he hired someone now to um, give him, to, to uh, for game management on the staff. He did? Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. Um, Just be like, you should probably punt it here. Bench. <laughs> or like. Well, I told you, there should be a bench coach like there was in baseball for those. Yeah. Kind of things, right? Yeah, there should be. He, I mean, he needed it that then. <laughs> he did. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it hasn't gotten better. No, when you lose to the the only team that was without a win and a very uninspiring 0-3 Raiders team, mm-hmm. and you gave up, what, it was like 38 points, I think, to the Raiders? No, 32. See, all right, whatever. You gave one up, of them was a touchdown return for, for all right, sure. a fumble return for a touchdown. You still gave up over 30 points to the Raiders. Yes, there was some on defense. But, like, Josh Jacobs had, like, 130 yards on the ground. Like, this is a man that was losing his job, and yeah. you just you just 
revamped his entire career. Mm-hmm. Like there is, yeah, like this is like on paper one of the best teams I've seen that has just played so boring, so uninspired. The Broncos, yeah, yeah, just so bad situational football, and it's like. You think like just these these names of Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, uh, Cortland Will- Sutton, Cortland Sutton, Williams in there in the backfield. The defense is good, and yet nothing happens. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend him a little bit. I mean, I heard Williams is hurt now, and I heard Go- Melvin Gordon has been fumbling a yeah, lot. Yeah, Gordon has a fumble problem yeah. now. And but I'm also gonna go back. I criticized him right away. One of the few games I was watching live, I assumed they were gonna go for it in fourth and five. <laughs> yeah. Then they're lining up. But the field goal, I think, was it 63 yards? And I was making fun of it. Was it 63? It was 60 something. I it think was, it was no, three. It, it, no, it wasn't. It was 65. Are you oh, sure? No, two more. Yeah. I thought it was 63, and I was gonna defend him now because I saw this Lutz guy for the Saints kicking him yesterday from 60 indoors. Six, indoors. That was indoors in London. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like. I mean, the game wasn't the game in. No, the game wasn't not wasn't even in Denver. Yeah, no, that's so the other I, thing. I kind of defended. If it was them in mile, if it was in Mile High, Denver, then I get it a little bit more because you can you can kick <laughs> sixty eight yarders in Denver. Yeah. It's ridiculous, oh. but it wasn't in Denver. Yeah, right. it was in Seattle. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and like even still, just the situational football to get him to the point. Even if the kick was makeable, you had like the Justin Tucker. It was in Denver. Whatever. Even if the the situation was just handled terribly, yeah, you had time and you wasted thirty seconds. But again, he let. This is why I defend him again. I disagree with what he did, but he let the clock run down on purpose because his mind was made up that we're going to kick the field goal, so let's kill the clock. Yeah, I think you're giving him too much credit. The offense looked frantic. Yeah, I did. Maybe you know, maybe he was sitting there maybe, being yeah, yeah. like, "I'm a genius." <laughs> not tell. Not and the telling, mind was. He yeah. was trying to decide what to do while the clock ticked down. Well, maybe if he just knew what he was going to do, he just forgot to tell his quarterback that, like, hey, <laughs> just just line up, just don't call the play. Uh, well, that was a long kick. I because thought. Russell was standing there being like, come on, like, you know, everyone get down, set up. Like, no, yeah. you get out there. Okay. Yeah. Like, he was trying to get everyone set up. Yes. You're it talking was, about the whole drive, kind of. Then, so the last few plays of the drive. Look no, just that, just that last, that last play. The last before, play they ran. Well, okay. they were they were gonna try that last play. They tried to run before they time out and kicked yeah. it. You see the short pass to the back, right? Yeah. Is it Williams? Yeah. Was it yeah. Yeah. It was Javante. Yeah. yeah. But also, like with Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon didn't used to have a fumble problem. No, no it's I know. And there's, yeah, there's yeah. a saying in New England, like a fumble <laughs> problem means it's bad coaching, mm. because that's one of the first things: protect the ball, protect the ball, protect the ball. I mean, Bill's thing is don't reach for that extra yard. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. You'll just get the ball slapped out of your hand. So it's like, like I, yeah, it's funny for a veteran to have that problem. Yeah, time. exactly. Yeah, but uh, this think, could be an, it could be a thing with Wisconsin football falling apart at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Maybe. to put that in rapid fire news that Paul Chris got fired. Okay, but anyway, yeah. Uh, in general, <laughs> I I like what you say with the fumble problem. It's because it's a lack of uh, taking care of details, and in general, Hackett looks over his head. And now the only games that they've won, and the only Mile and the only times head. that they have that they have been competent in situational football now has been post week one when Russell Wilson has decided to stop being a nice guy and just take control of the offense. I mean, I told you in game two, right, second game after Seattle, what the headline was in Denver when Russell Wilson finally called the timeout in the last two minutes when they were running down the field to try and take the take the lead. Russell was the one calling timeouts. Russell was the one calling plays. And the headline in Denver was, thank God, Russell Wilson (laughs) took the wheel of the clown car away from the clueless Hackett. (laughs) So when your public media is making headlines like that, 
That's not a very good endorsement of what's going on. No. And here's the last thing for why I think you can say Hackett is the problem. And I said this, I didn't think that Vic Fangio should have been fired. I thought you're blaming a guy because his quarterback is Drew Locke. You're in a division (laughs) with Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes. And yet Vic Fangio consistently fielded a defense that stopped those guys from getting their average points per game total. Why was he fired? Because they didn't win enough. But yeah. Drew Locke was his quarterback. Yeah. Whose fault is that? Is that Vicks? I didn't think Fangio should have been fired. No. And now you bring in Hackett, who's supposed to be an offensive guy, and the defense is better than the offense. So who, the so who so who gets the credit for the defense? <laughs> it's Vic Fangio. And by the, the way, now the longer Hackett is here, the defense is starting to regress a little bit more. Yeah. But he ain't fixing the offensive side, and the only side of this, the, the better side of the ball is the one Vic Fangio was in charge of. Yeah. So that should tell you everything you need to know. And when you watch these games, they're not clever. The play calling is vanilla. They don't really use multiple packages or multiple personnels. And there's almost no pre-snap motion. It's just... Was it an offensive guy coaching? Yes. He's just... You've watched close... You know, you're more watching more closely he's, than And I listen, am, it so. happens. It happens. Yeah. You, you right. make the wrong decision sometimes. I've never seen a guy after four games be just about, you know, done. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're not about saying fire fire people immediately. Yeah. We're usually the, like, come on, give them a chance type of people here. We the usually say slow, two, to, slow your roll, but, like. There's only been three people I've called for this for. The Arizona coach, the year that, what was his name, Kime? Or, no, we I, didn't have a show then. Uh, no, I know we didn't, but I, but I thought the same thing then. Brandon Staley after the first year with the Chargers, and now Nathaniel Hackett. Those are the only three I've ever said this for. Are you for one sure? Year. You, yeah. you get you get on coaches. When you I was younger, Ma- you didn't want McCarthy fired already in Dallas. He said two. Well, this is his third year. Oh, this is his third year. Yeah, I didn't want him fired after his first year. You, you didn't. I didn't want him fired. The <laughs> only reason the only reason I wanted McCarthy fired is because I think they have the next head coach in the building, and that's Dan Quinn. We usually like to give him one full off season. Yeah. And that was McCarthy's second year, but then he called a quarterback draw with 11 uh-huh. seconds left in the game and no timeouts. Uh-huh. So, like, I don't know, Dad. That's that's kind of a fireable offense. <laughs> and like I said, that was the end of his second year. But yeah, uh, Denver's a hot mess. This is this is one of the this is one of the quickest. Like, y- you know, right away, you just whip. Usually, it takes some time, but this is Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. Like, <laughs> like it's obvious. Very quickly, that he's over his head. Yeah, and it's more than game management. Like on 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 week one, you yeah. don't the office just doesn't look creative at all. No, and like I said, the best side of the ball for this team is the one Vic Fangio was in charge of last yeah. year. So, uh, who gets credit for that? I don't think it's Hackett. So, yeah. All right. With that, we are going to take our last quick break before we get into our, some of our final topics. And our Tommy and Darwin, as always, stick with us, guys.
And we are back here at Slow Your Roll. We got a couple of last topics to get through. A lot of them will go pretty quick, especially since one of them we actually touched on already. Um, but the first one we're going to talk about, Geno Smith. <laughs> the Seahawks put up 41 points against Detroit. Is Geno Smith the answer in Seattle? Is Geno Smith better than Russell Wilson? I guess the key in that statement was, was against... It was against um, Detroit. Detroit, right? That, you're, you, you know exactly where I'm going okay. with this one already. So, he was a lovely, what was it, 16 of 17 in the first half or something against uh, Denver in week one. But that was Seattle's Super Bowl. <laughs> they had weeks to prepare for that game. And obviously, Pete Carroll knows every little intricacy about Russell Wilson also to play him defensively. If you remember that game... The Seahawks did nothing in the second half offensively after the scripted plays and all that was over. They were terrible in that game. Then they were awful in week two against San Francisco. And yes, they put up a ton of points here against Detroit. Detroit is awful. They are honestly one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. <laughs> They're just bailed out by the fact that you can make the argument they're a top three offense in the NFL today. But they are some of the worst defensive defensive play I've ever seen in my entire life. And they are still weapons in Seattle. There were just questions if Geno can get the ball to him. Against Detroit, he clearly can get the ball to him. But the minute they're in the second half of most of these games, the minute they faced real opponents, Geno Smith has still looked like Geno Smith. I know the Seattle fans are going crazy right now. I saw an article uh, recently in, in the Seattle Tribune or whatever it was, and it was like, it's time for Seahawk fans to stop talking about Russell Wilson. Gino is the guy. And I was like, uh, you delusional. <laughs> delusional. No, no, he is the guy. I mean, Gene, Russell's not going to play that well for them. I mean, there's a point to that. I guess. He's just the guy. He, I mean, no, Gino is there and Russell's not. Oh, well, yeah. But, but, but to sit here and be like, oh, Gino's the answer. <laughs> Let's calm down. This is still a six-win team at best, <laughs> and you need to draft a quarterback. I'm sorry. No, I've never been a Geno Smith fan. It's funny when he has <laughs> I don't these. Know if anyone else? I, when it's funny when he has these good games. I do remember at one point. This is eons ago. Yes. In West Virginia, he was like considered maybe the top quarterback coming out of the of college. One oh time. yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. a long time ago. I know. <laughs> It's before we started getting punched to death in the jet locker room and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I forgot about that one when he got punched in the face. But, like, I mean, this is just a situation of Geno Smith is, he's uh, profiting off a, he seems to be a guy that he can stay on script. Mm -hmm. So when they're on script, it seems to be okay. They seem to have a mind there that can put together some drives to start off a game, sure. And it also seems to be benefiting from, they didn't really have to change the offense all that much from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith. Sure, you got to make it like he doesn't have the skill, but like he's he's mobile in the pocket a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't have to change the offense. You didn't have to do a one eighty with this offense. Mm -hmm. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they're serviceable wideouts. Like there's pieces here. I think the wideouts are more than serviceable. And by Lockett, the way, and, Lockett, and, I'll, Metcalf. and I'll give something Geno has right now that Russell never did. Rashad Penny was never healthy while Russell was there. So sure. they, well, they never mean, the, the run game in general wasn't. Yeah. So was now Chris Carson was I think it was No, he did Carson did a pretty good job there. No, he was he, good, he, but he wasn't that healthy. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Rashad Penny was never healthy. Yeah. Rashad Penny's been in the league longer than you think. He's just yeah. Four they years? drafted him and they he just didn't play like right. for two years. Yeah. So Gino is getting something that Russell didn't too with that. With Penny now healthy, they're actually able to run the football. Sure. And you know what? Here's another thing. Geno Smith probably has a good relationship with the coach. 
And that, that matters. <laughs> it does. That matters a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, you, you get, you're past week eight, your team is not that good. Even a guy like Russell Wilson is just going to be like, well, I'm just going to save my body. Yes. I'm not going to try all that hard. Yeah. But like Geno Smith, who's fighting for his NHL or NHL, NFL career with every snap, uh-huh. is going to try his hardest for yep. a man that believes in him yep. in uh, P. Pete Carroll. Uh-huh. So there's a lot that is pushing Geno Smith to be better. Than Gino, he is. Than Gino really is right now. Mm-hmm. And you guys, a, were you surprised Gino got the job over Drew Locke? I kind of was. I wasn't because because Pete Carroll's a defensive guy, and the last thing he wants to deal with is a dude who's going to turn the football. So over. erratic like Locke, and okay. Locke is going to turn the football. Over. Yeah, okay. I, I was at first, but like Gino's been there for a year now. Oh, knows so, the offense. Yeah, yeah. so I, I was I'm okay. I was surprised at first, but not not as now you, know, you think season, about it. Yeah. But yeah, and it's working, I guess, for them. Yeah. Like I at. To be a 500 team right now, like that's got that's got to feel static mm-hmm. in Seattle. Mm-hmm. But like, and it's also like, come on, it's not Russell Wilson's fault. Yeah, Denver's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So like, no. Yeah, everyone, the Seattle Tribune there, you got to calm down. Let's does, let's relax. Does Nathaniel Hackett have a chance to redeem himself? You guys, no, Can he- no. <laughs> I mean, he does. Okay, well, no, he, he does. He's he just has not a chance. Here. No, he has a chance okay. if he shows something that he has not shown yet. But he has not shown a single thing that makes me think this is going to get better. Okay, he has not yeah. suddenly become competent. Right. Russell has just become more like, all right, I'm done being nice. Yep. I'm going to take care of this. Okay. So, unless Mr. Jerry over there just does a wonderful job of game managing, and <laughs> and Hackett sits there like Mike McCarthy, and he claps. <laughs> and he lets the assistants do their job. Then yeah. he, he'll be a, he'll be a head coach. Okay, there you go. <laughs> That's how Hackett can make it. Yeah, but he seems to just can't get out of his own way. No, he can't. He can't. <laughs> and to be honest, I think the only way for him to really save himself is he's got to do something. Oh yeah, but he can't do. <laughs> like he's just he'll just make the wrong choice. <laughs> and if he turns it over to everyone else, it's like well. Why don't we just trim the budget here, get little, get some cooks out of the kitchen, and make someone else? Like I don't know the guy that actually calls the timeouts. He can be the head coach. Now. Oh man, I'm the only one here with any compassion. <laughs> He's just over his head. I think hopefully time is going to cure things for Nathaniel, and and that game one, that game one ending will be behind him someday. Uh, but he just lost to the Raiders. He lost. No, he lost to Josh McDaniels. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about this week's loss. Yeah. yeah, and Vegas is a mess. So, all right, next one. We're kind of off the NFL stuff. Let's let's go. We got three games left in the baseball regular season. Most of the playoffs, are, as we mentioned, are set. Barring any, knock on wood, barring any <laughs> crazy collapse, the Braves getting swept or, or Philly getting swept, we know who's in those last wild card spots. Let's preview the baseball playoffs. Let's start in the American League here. Okay. The Yankees had a terrible second half for the most part, but they kind of salvaged things the last month of the season. Yeah, they the got Sox really they got they got their uh, you know their property at the right time in the Minnesota Twins. Oh, I think uh, the Red Sox really helped them a lot too. The Sox did too, but like when things were really going south, when Tampa had pulled to like three games or two games, they got the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> and the twins all the Yankees always look forward to the Minnesota Twins. And they swept them. And you know what's great about that? 
as the Twins had just gone on a run themselves to get themselves back into Until it. Until that remember, series? Oh. They were... They were six and one the week before yeah. they got New York. They had back to win a half a game of Cleveland, and then they just got blown out by the New York. You know, you, I don't, you know, I, I've always, I don't know if professional athletes ever get psyched out, but sometimes I wonder about Minnesota I and think, the Yankees. I think they do. I yeah. really think uh, they do. They're still yeah. human beings. Yeah, like they right. still like they, you know, you look across down that those are still the New York Yankees. Yeah, like you're yep. still just the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. There's a something that I do think gets in people's heads, and I think that one's in their head. Yeah. But anyway, they got the the Yankees got them at the right time. <sighs> what do we think about the playoffs in the American League? We're not doing. You know what? Actually, well, do you want to? You know what? I you have know the what? Bracket here. You know what? No, we can't get this. We can't do this show until the playoffs start. Why? No, the playoffs already started when we do our next show, right? We didn't plan this, but let's bring it back. Yes. How quickly can we do this? Bed, wed, the head. Oh. Remember. Sort of. I remember the game. I don't really yeah. remember the rules. Well, the team the team that you think is the favorite, wed, okay. in bed with, the team that you think is like kind of the dark horse, Okay. and then the head, the one that you think is just totally fake. I'm trying to figure out the matchups as you talk. Okay. okay. That's oh, like, I have them right be, here. It's going to be Seattle. Uh, I have them right there. Yeah. So Tampa, will Tampa play the Guardians and Seattle plays Toronto? You yes. know what's funny about this? Yes. You know what's is funny? Right? Yes. Yeah. You know what's funny about the Rays-Guardians matchup? They're kind of the same team, a little bit. Mm. Yeah, they're young, very good young pitching. Yeah, the offense is a bit of a mishmash of guys. Yep. You could make the argument Cleveland actually has more talent in the lineup. I think guys are higher end prospects, whereas the Rays, it's just like voodoo magic. Right. It's similar. Like this is a very interesting series to me because I do think both teams are very similar teams. Okay, to both depend on your bullpen a lot. Yes. Yeah. Just Tampa is a Tampa. I call Tampa is a poor man's Dodgers, and then and then they both they'll play with thirty five to forty million rosters. The Dodgers call up kids all year long from AAA. No, the I know. Tribute. Yeah, Tampa we know does the same thing. They play with the forty man roster. They all pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they they love their bullpen games. Yeah. But you can watch them. They come into Boston. They come into Boston in May and use five relievers. Then they come back in July and it's five different relievers. <laughs> and they all throw ninety-seven. You know? so, yeah. So, the, but that doesn't help in a, as much in the playoffs. In the playoffs, right? No. And that's why they fall short. Right. I think Cleveland has a more elite bullpen with stable one-name guys. Clauses. Absolutely filthy. Yeah. Um, I forget. I'm drawing a blank on the setup man behind. Karen Check has been good. Karen Check has been really good. But they got. Have you seen him? He's bizarre kid. He is bizarre. Okay. But there's another one too that they use. Yeah. Who's been Stefan? Yes. Stefan. Yeah. Who's been right? And I had, to, I had nasty. To, I saw the. You know, I became. I, I told you about them. How I liked them over the twins. But it, I it, seen the one series in Fenway, and I I, I liked what I saw. No, I know team. you did. Yeah. You know what's amazing? Is they end up winning that division by 11 games. I, did, I just look at nine, they won 90 games. I know. Yeah, the Guardians won 90 games. Who would have yeah. thought it? Yeah. I know. Right, uh, I mean, I'm not going to pick against Terry Francona, especially against the Rays. So you guys, you like them over Tampa? I, I kind of like I, them over Tampa yeah. in, in this wild card well, matchup. Let's get this, who's got the? Okay, you got Bieber, mm-hmm. and then the starters after that. Quantrill has been good. He's not a, doesn't have great stuff, obviously. But McKenzie, yeah, McKenzie has better stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Tampa will is 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 McClanahan 100. No, I don't think he is. Yeah, that's a key. Yeah, I know it's a huge part of it. And, I don't think she, I don't think McClan. And 100%. Taylor, the, the the former pirate, tried to come back last. Now I don't think he's ready. No, I don't time. think he is yeah. either. So 
Yeah, I think the Rays have some problems. Well, Rasmus has become a very good pitcher. Yeah, yeah, but I think the Guardians have more proven guys yeah. and more at least high-end prospects in the lineup as well. Okay. So I, I like Cleveland in the wild card yeah. series. You're right. They're no-name young kids. You know, Jimenez got some attention by making the All-Star team. Mm-hmm. And G- Gonzalez guy's been good in the outfield. Yes, you know, he has. Good, and uh, people don't realize that Naylor's a very good hitter. So Yeah, yeah. I-, I like Cleveland in that one. Okay. Um, you both do? Yes. I don't, have yeah. a, I don't have a prediction. I don't have to make one, do I? No, you don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> uh, the next wild card one. I'm not a regular son. I know you're not. <laughs> the next wild card series. I mean, do I even need to say anything? Oh, it's definitely going to be Seattle. Oh, Seattle. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Seattle. Oh, Seattle and Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. I like Toronto. I like Toronto. Uh, I mean, on paper, I like Toronto, but uh, Team Destiny. You're so, a Seattle see- fan, right? No, no. Oh. I mean, I've kind of adopted them okay. as my baby. That's why I adopted the Guardians for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because the Red Sox suck, and yeah. that's just a team I put my money behind. Not real, literally, but like at the beginning of the season, I said Seattle will be good. So now I have to stick with it. Okay. I think there's one key to that series. It's probably uh, uh, Ber- Ber- Berrios. Wouldn't you agree with me? Yes. Yeah. He, if he gives them a stinker start in the three game series, yes, they're they're in trouble. Okay. They're in some trouble. And he would pitch game. Three, I would guess, after... after um, Manoa and Gosman. Gosman, yeah. yes. Um, but the thing is here, the other key is the Jays' offense is better. The Jays need to get on them early because Seattle the great has bullpen. two great guys in that bullpen. Yeah. I mean, they have two guys in that back end of that bullpen. Who are they? Uh, I can't even remember their names. I know, it's I hard. Know. It is, it's hard to remember all the relievers. Yeah, I know. But I've seen them pitch. Yeah. I know what, they look, I know what they look like. And I know that both of them are in the top five in like whiff rate per pitch, caves per nine inning. Like, like they are it, lights out at the back. And it takes a lot of guts for us to be on, do this sports show and say, we don't know the names, doesn't it? Just yeah, uh, a bit. But baseball, there's so many guys. I don't, and the bullpen, I know. It's so many guys, it's hard to keep track of them all. <laughs> and the minute you say their name, I'll know it. Right, and I'm bringing them up. Jesse and I are racing I to do that. I'm but. looking through. But so the Jays are going to have to get them on them early. I think the starting pitching, at least at the top end, is pretty much a wash between the two. Munoz is one? Yeah. Does Munoz have great stuff? Oh, yeah. Okay. Manoa's great. Um, no, Munoz on oh, Munoz. No, no, yeah, that's the one. Okay. Munoz is the one. Yeah. Um, but when you can throw out Manoa and Gossman. Oh, Sewald. Is he other Sewald? Yes. Um, but when you can throw out Manoa and Gossman and you have the Toronto lineup, I like Toronto to be able to get the lead. I like the bullpen not to become a huge factor for right. Seattle. And their bullpen has been all right, especially after the, the trade with um with the Marlins. Yeah. That was a great deal. It was. It was a great deal. I, mean, I don't think Pop has given up a run. And No, no. Pop has been great ever yeah. since he got there. So I like <clears throat> Toronto in this series. I know you do too. Jesse, I know you're riding with your baby. Uh, I'm going to pick Seattle. Okay. I'm going to pick Seattle. Because, uh, I, I mean, Toronto went a little trip in. Into these playoffs. Well, I think they played good team, baseball here team, the last month. Team of destiny in Seattle. Yeah, there's a lot of hype in Seattle. Like, I, you know, if I look at these teams, there should be an obvious winner. But I'm not going to pick the obvious. I'm just not. <laughs> right. I, I don't have much of anything to really prove it. I just I like the upstart little feisty Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. You make a big point of, like, if they can uh, win the bullpen race, I like their chances. Yes. Exactly. You know, the National League matchups are still up in the air because the Phillies and Padres are only separated by one game. That's true. Yeah. But both of them have to get the Mets, either war, and I, I see the Mets moving on to play the Dodgers no matter what. Okay, okay. And then, so, what, 
So the 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 one one of those will play the Cardinals. Who do you you just like the Cardinals? Definitely. No I like the Cardinals. Who? I like the Cardinals no matter who they play in that okay. series. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's finish off the American League here. Okay. Though. Oh, I thought we did. Okay. Well, you did the wild card matchups. You want to you want to wait? You want to wait to talk about anything else? You want to wait until the wild card I, series? I guess we or, could wait. Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait. I will say this though. You like a Houston? I, I, will Houston play Toronto? Yes. Okay. And well, then next week we, Toronto, we can do that. And Toronto is the only team that, that I like that can beat Houston to me. I don't think the Yankees have the pitching to shut down the Houston offense. I think Toronto, at the start, at least at the top of the rotation with Manoa and Gossman, can have the pitching to shut down Houston. And I know they have the offense to bang with Houston. So if Toronto gets by Seattle in a three-game series, to me, that's the only one that matches up with Houston. If Houston plays the Yankees... I don't think it's a good matchup for the Yankees. I mean, a lot of the pitching has had, you know, the curtain pulled up on New York for a lot of the pitching. And the offense is, uh, come on. Aaron Judge. It's Aaron Judge, (laughs) you know. But do you still see the Yankees definitely beating either Cleveland or Tampa? No, I don't. Okay. I I, I don't know what happens in that series. Do they handle Cleveland like they handle Minnesota? Is the same thing there? No, no, no. no. There's nothing like it. Terry would never allow that. What's that? Terry Francona would never allow there that. There you go. Okay. All right, so let's move on to the National League, though. Let's preview the wild card matchups here. <clears throat> As you mentioned, uh, Philly and San Diego, they're only separated by a game. And I do think it matters a little bit because, again, I still pick the Mets. But if the Mets get Philadelphia, I don't think there's any chance the Mets lose. <laughs> I, I'm see, I, I really don't. I, I don't see... I don't, I, I, I don't see Philly being able to hit most of that pitching. I don't think the Philly rotation is special enough to shut down the Mets' offense the way the Braves were able to. I just don't see it. San Diego, in a short series, at least they have the high-end talent that makes me think they could pull the upset up over mm-hmm. the New York Mets. Do you, do you see it that well, way? Y- yeah, I don't really see... I mean, I kind of think the National League could be really boring. I think it could just be the Mets and Cardinals just kind of walking to the divisional rounds mm-hmm. but no I, I definitely would definitely say Padres have the better chance of upsetting somebody than, than the Philly. Phillies that are just continuing to shoot themselves in the foot and really Kyle Schwarber is kind of the man willing them to the playoffs right now yeah uh, when it comes to the Padres I think a key I think Snell has been pitching very well yeah he has gotten so, a lot better so and Darvish has been strong all year I think actually so, yeah, yes. I was going to bring that up you, you, your, your guy you hate you Darvish has actually been pretty good yeah, yeah. I know he has so if you go Darvish Snell and the uh, and the kid who pitched Musgrove no Musgrove it's a good yeah it's it good. is good Yeah, it is good and, and they have at least the big bats in the lineup to, to be able to do some damage yeah. but the Phillies are not I wouldn't say they're that weak with you, you can't go with Gibson um but I think Wheeler and Nola, Nola and the kid Juarez has been good. Okay, good. but he, Ranger Suarez. Okay, I know he's not a great pitcher. But we're gonna have to hope that Nola and Wheeler go like eight innings. Yeah, bullpen depth is not it's improved, hasn't it? With you know, Okay, so, but you're talking about improved from like thirty first in the league <laughs> no. to like twenty fifth. Like it's Brogdon, not it's how about not, Brogdon? Uh, <laughs> Sir Anthony Sir Anthony was really good, but he's I think he's hit some hard times. <laughs> Sir Anthony goes through times where he can't hit the broad side of a barn. And you're going to trust that in the playoffs? Like, I, I just, no. And Robertson turns 48 next week. So. So, exactly. I so, mean, okay. Dave Dombrowski, he, can't, he doesn't build bullpens. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, okay. I just the don't The Phillies say, are not ready. Okay. No. Absolutely not. And now, I know we said we only want to preview the wild card. 
But we talked about this last week. I'm going to talk about it again. That's why this series over the weekend was so big. Because I don't see anyone else in the National League being able to beat the Dodgers other than either Atlanta or the Mets. But the Mets are now the team that has to go through the wild card. So Atlanta seems like they're the best hope and have the best path to then face the Dodgers in the championship series. Right. And right now, the way it's set up, the, the semifinals would be Cardinals, Braves, and the Dodgers, Mets? Is yes. That, okay. Yeah. Which, by the way, that's not an easy route then that the, the Dodgers have it's to go. certainly not. Because no. the Dodgers will have to get through both teams that I just said are the only teams in the National League who I think can right. I mean, But the Mets won't have their pitching set up, at least. Even the Cardinals aren't a walk in the park. They're not. No. They, you like the Braves heavily over the Cardinals? I do. Especially with Flaherty not If Flaherty's healthy, that's close to even. Seriously. I would say it's close to even. It's close to even because Atlanta is dealing with the injury to Spencer Strider. Um, but after Flaherty, if Flaherty was even 100%, I mean, they're good pitchers. But Quintana... It's a lot of third and fourth Yeah, strategies. like Quintana, Jordan, Jordan Montgomery. My, like, Jordan they Montgomery's don't, Dakota been Hudson, great. I know he, he has over. been, but they don't exactly strike fear they're in you. They're not. Dakota Hudson, a lot of number four type starters. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, Dakota will be used out of the bullpen for sure. Really? Yeah, Okay. I think so. It'll be, it'll be Wainwright... Uh, oh, I forgot about Wainwright. Okay. It'll be Wainwright, Flaherty, Montgomery, Quintana. Those are the guys they'll use in the starting so? rotation. Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, but if there's any team, just looking at history, I know. And these are a lot. It's kind of the same players. Wainwright's still there. I know. Pujols and um, yeah, it's a Molina. great story. Yeah. Like they just pull these wins off in playoff series. That's just kind of what oh, they've the Cardinals, done. The Cardinals are dangerous. Just ask, ask any Dodger fan. Yeah, yeah. That's Cardinals just, are dangerous. That's just what they do. They, they make the World Series off a wild card winning like 86 games. Like, yeah, but the Braves have gotten over a hump. The Braves have won the World Series, and I think the lineup matches with anyone in the National League, and they throw Max Fried, Charlie Morton at you, and Kyle Wright, and Strider will at least be back at some point during the playoffs. So Strider could be in the bullpen. He could be. Yeah. Yeah. But that's... I don't know. They may not want to start Morton if they can... I know. We'll see. Well, who'd you put... I'd put Freed, Freed, Wright, and... Morton. Mm, yeah. Well, the fourth one was... The other one was Strider. Yeah, but, then but he he's went hurting. On, but yeah. he's hurt. Okay. Um, and, and you talked about... It's another start. Oh, yeah. They don't want Order Rizzi. You don't want to start. No, you, know, you don't okay. want Order Rizzi okay. starting. <clears throat> um, and they won't have to a ton because they don't have to go through the wild card game. So they'll have their pitching set up. Is Ozzy Albies expected back? You think? No. Do you, was that bad again? The injury? Yeah, it was that oh. bad. So that's a you, big loss. I know, but you still have Grissom and Harris and Olson. I know. And Albies Austin one Ryan. Albies one of the few guys from the left side. That's. I, I know. I know. He's a switch hitter, but he, yeah, But he you talked about your Dodgers. They're going to throw out all left-handed starting pitching at you anyway. Yeah. Which is a troublesome matchup it is. if they go it up is. against Atlanta. It is. Because with the injuries to Bueller. We're throwing out here what Tyler Anderson, Clayton Kershaw, and Urias. Urias. Yeah. yeah, so that's another advantage for Atlanta. For the Braves, it definitely yeah. is. Yeah. So that is the series to watch. What's uh, what's Dustin May doing? He's hurt again. He got, oh, okay, he's he hurt again. Yeah. yeah, minor thing, just soreness or tired, just you know. Okay. But, but it's a concern. There's no yeah, doubt. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, at least when they face Atlanta, it won't be till the end near the playoffs. So maybe May will be healthy. And if he is, I think he's got to make a start. You can't you definitely you yeah. can't go three left handers exactly. against that right handed of a lineup yeah. in Atlanta. You, you can't do it. In my opinion, I don't think you can. So whatever. All right. Let's talk about the rule changes. 
Dad, do you even want to? Do you want to take it away even to start this segment? Because I know you're. I'm passionate. not going to take any. Well, you're the leader here. I can't take it away. But we're talking about baseball. I would guess. <laughs> yeah, with the rule changes. <laughs> um, well, I, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just start on the clock thing. I've taken some abuse on Facebook and things that I don't think there should be a pitch clock period. And people say, "Oh, these guys sometimes take too long." I think there's what a half dozen guys in the league who take a long time. One one time I remember seeing the Astros. I think it's Garcia against the Red Sox. He was taking forever behind mm-hmm. him. But I just the idea if you're at a playoff game and it's second and third, two outs two outs in this eighth inning, mm-hmm. and Freddie Freeman's at the plate. Can't you see a pitcher taking some extra time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. Okay, but go ahead. I, mean, I, I, yeah, I don't like the pitch clock just because I like the uniqueness of baseball that there is no clock in, in the game. I get where the trouble has come from because there are some guys that just take forever. Is a pitcher's more than hitter's? Guys? I think it's pitchers yeah. more than hitters. The hitters usually just a quick step out, adjust the wristbands, and get back in. I don't think the hitters just, are that yeah, bad. I don't think Generally. Okay. My, but my solution to this has always been, well, not always, but recently has been, let's lower the amount of pitchers you are able to have on your roster so we can't have starters going four and five innings all the time. Oh, and you can't, because, have, you because can't pick up a parade of guys throwing 98 out of the bullpen. That too. So you have nine million strikeouts But also, game. I would tell you significantly, as I've noticed, is relievers are way slower than starters. Starters get into a rhythm. Starters have to pitch multiple well, innings. Oh, okay. So they get into a rhythm and they want to go and they want to throw yeah. far more than relievers yeah. do because every every pitch means even more right. when you're only throwing one inning. Good point. Good point. So my solution to this has always been, can we stop 14, 13 man yeah. pitching staffs? It's ridiculous. Yeah, and well, with the you know saying it's more bullpen guys, like you know the longer you take in between pitches. The more velocity you will, in theory, get on the next pitch. Because you can recover. And every bullpen guy is a power pitcher now. Exactly. They all can throw. I mean, if you can throw just 95, like, so that's not good enough. You need a couple <laughs> more ticks on that radar gun, kid. See you next year. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's it's there's such an emphasis on power pitching. That's right. That, like, it's, we, I mean, the, we talked about the Red Sox. Like, every guy is so erratic. With their, they're walking so many guys, but oh man, they can all hit triple digits on the gun, and that's all that seems to matter is if you can overpower the the hitter. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to those guys? They're like Hideki Okajima was great. He topped out at like eighty nine, yeah. but oh my god, he put the ball in play. He well, he also when he put the ball where he wanted to throw the ball, yeah. he induced a lot of ground balls. I mean, he put the ball in play. He, yeah. Not good contact, and it's like oh yes, strikeouts can be very exciting, but like. I go back and forth on some of these rule changes, like with the shift thing. Like, there's I'm a, okay with the shift. Well, and we'll get to that. There's a good argument to be made of like Terry Francona said is like, well, just learn the ball, learn to hit the ball to the all fields. Yeah, I know, I agree with that. But there was another. Not e- that's not easy. But go ahead. It's not, especially in today's game where there's such an emphasis on yeah. just power as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's uh, Theo Epstein made a point of like, well, ha- ha- not having shifts makes more exciting fielding. Mm-hmm. You need range is much more of a, a thing with these infielders. Yeah. You got to get to the ball that's over there now instead of the ball hitting hit right to you. Mm-hmm. So there's an argument to be made with that. But like if you if you, you know, strikeouts are supposed to be very exciting. But like putting the ball in play can be very exciting, yeah. too. Just spot your pitches. Well, strikeouts were exciting <clears throat> when they weren't so frequent. It's yes. as simple as that. Yeah, sure. But here's my thing on the shift. Why I'm OK with this rule for two reasons. One is is just sort of common sense the way the diamond is 
I mean, to me, you know, you make the argument there is dirt and grass for a reason. There is an infield and an outfield for a reason. And you can't put your infielder off the dirt. So, I mean, just the way the field is set up to me, at least I get it. It makes sense to me. Yeah. So when you do the shift against left-handed hitters, though, you think it's it's not just that they put three guys on that side. You think having that yeah. second baseman playing short right field is oh, big, yeah, too? Oh, yeah, that's huge. Oh, okay. That's the big part of it to me, is if it? anything. Oh. Um, well, so, how many how ground balls are hit between normal positioning with the first and second baseman? There's tons. Now that he's way back there, yeah. he mm. has... That ball can be hit extremely hard. He's still just going to casually just pick it up and throw it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to make any real tough play. So I'm okay if we're limiting defensive shifts where you just at least have to stay on the dirt. Totally cool with that. Um, The other thing is, you know, Terry Francona learned to hit the ball the other way. But it's gotten so bad now and so down to the very even basic levels of baseball, like high school even. Like even high school, I'm seeing dudes with way longer swings and an emphasis of trying to get the ball airborne it's gotten launch angles yeah it's gotten so bad institutionally that i don't think terry's way of doing things is going to change it we need we need to come up with a reason for why it's better now for you to put the ball in play and if we eliminate that shift there's more and a better reason particularly for left-handed hitters to not feel like we have to get the ball airborne and just try and hit it as far as we can so that's why i'm okay with the shift one Okay. Okay. So, yeah. They, okay. So take take the shift away. Go back to where you have that nice hole where you just pull it in the right field for a single. Yeah. It'll get guys to stop thinking home run all the time. Yes. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm for the most part, I'm for at least limiting the shift. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is just some good arguments to be made of why, like, all right, just change the game, and you won't really have to move your all your players around. Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah, all right. It's a good point. There's an outfield grass and an infield dirt for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's that other rule, like, all right, you need two guys on each side of the second base bag. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, you can still, like, you can still, if, for a left-handed hitter, you can move your shortstop, apparently, like, all the way over, basically, to up the middle anyway. Yeah, you can still do that. So, because <laughs> I'm, I'm never, I'm never, all right, more rules will fix everything. No, yeah. when does that ever happen? <laughs> yeah. But I, I think there's a reason why this one could could have some positive outcomes later there's on. One argument yeah, against your point, though, on a shift making people um, not try to hit home runs is that um, if the shift is on, it makes you, it should make you learn to hit the ball the other way. Yeah, but you should. It, it has, hasn't done it. It hasn't though. done it. And right. we've yeah. been here for a while now. Very so no one learned to bunt either. I mean, <laughs> Verdugo does it, right? I'd say Verdugo yeah. is pretty good at it. He is. Yeah. He's one of the only ones. But. One of the only ones. <laughs> yeah, but like everyone said, like, oh, everyone's just going to bunt. No one ever attempted. They don't do it. I mean, no one even tried. And if you're leading off an inning with that shift, if you don't bunt for a single, you're, you're, um, you're hurting your team. Yeah. yeah. I, really. I agree. I no agree. one even tried to learn to bunt. There's yeah. less bunting than ever. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, you say in theory, but it hasn't happened so far. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that should happen in theory, and they never yeah. play out that way. Well, And I want to bring up another point. Go back quickly, if you can hold your point, Jesse, yeah, yeah. Um, on a p- possibly limiting the number of pitchers on a staff. Yeah. Um, that's going to lead to things, and I'll tell you what it'll lead to. Um, Ten-man staff limited, so teams are going to call up yeah. constantly. They're going to have that that train between AAA and, and the majors all the time, what's it going to lead to more changes in rules about how many options you get? I'm just telling you where that's going to, where that could go if you limit your pitching staff to 10 pitchers. I, but the idea that you think you'd be able to send guys up and down enough that you can have it at the level that it is right now, 
that you're still able to throw that Tampa many guys. Tampa can do it. Tampa's about, <laughs> yeah, but Tampa, what Tampa will do is we're going to have a catcher on our roster who used to be a pit. Like, that's what Tampa would do. Yeah. They'd be like, all right, this catcher can used to be a pitcher. Yeah. We're going to have him pitch sometimes in the bullpen. <laughs> but I know what you say. We'll add an option or two. But even that, I don't think yeah. you could I hope not. ever have it enough okay. that you're going to be able to do what they do now. We'll see. Yeah, with we'll like, see. Other than the one, two guys on rotations, these dudes go four innings a lot of but the time. I would say the biggest thing to getting more balls in play and fewer strikeouts might be what you just said, 10-man <laughs> pitching staffs. So you no longer – I mean, I remember a few, a few years ago, offenses and hitters were able to feast on a tired starter in a sixth and seventh inning. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he was tired. He lost something. Yeah. Offense. Not anymore. Yeah. There's no such thing as there's, yeah. there's no such thing as taking advantage also of, of just, a tired starter. Also just seeing a pitcher for the third time. Yep. That that That's we're, gone almost. Yeah, we're yeah. eliminating that. It's like, yeah. all right, you can only see these star these hitters twice, so they right. can't get a read on you at all. So and that's I don't know. I think we that's could That's boring late game strategy. Well, mm-hmm. They could. Uh, we could fix the game if they put us in charge. I no think doubt. we could. I okay. think we could. Yeah, <laughs> All <right>. definitely. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Dominic. So we're going to our last topic here real quick, Dad. We'll bring it back to the college football for the last one. Let's talk about the future of the Pac-12 real quick. I mean, you talked about Oregon and Washington. Both could go to the Big Ten or they could go somewhere else. I talked about how Oregon needs to pick ACC, SE, uh, uh, not SEC, Big 12 or ACC. So let's talk about the future of the Pac-12. Okay. Do you think there's much of a future for it? Will they be able to save themselves the way the Big 12 has? No, I see the I see um I don't know there's different options. Um first of all, let's go on a scenario that I'm wrong and and that that the uh, California government is not going to step in and, and prevent UCLA from going to the Big 10. So let's say that let's say that stands. Um I see I can't see I see the the, the Pac-12 becoming so weak that that Washington and Oregon cannot turn down mm-hmm. um, an invitation to the Big 12. And the commission has already said he's going after those teams. Yeah. And I'd say those two, along with either two teams out of the, are the Arizona schools, along with Utah and Colorado. Colorado's program is so weak now, that hurts mm-hmm. their chances of moving. Um, but I see maybe four of those schools going to the Big Mm-hmm. The Big 12, the Big 12 becoming a third power conference with the SEC and Big 10. Mm-hmm. And then the Pac-12 becoming a minor conference like the Sun Belt and AAC. And then adding Fresno State, San Diego State, mm-hmm. UNLV mm-hmm. being in Las Vegas, a pretty good market. Mm-hmm. And the football team finally decent this year. And a fourth team being um, maybe Boise State. Mm-hmm. That's what I see happening. The Pac-12 let will me, become one of the minor conferences. Let me push back, yeah, okay. not on the Pac-12 not making it, but on one of those teams that you say can move. To the Big 12, yeah. Why would the Big 12 want Utah? Um, Salt Lake City is a half-decent market. Utah football is, you okay. know, right now okay. they're going through a high. Yeah. Okay, I will uh, say the play of the football team, yes. But do we want another good run? competition program that doesn't bring in a ton of money is salt lake a big enough market to to you to think that yes there's justification okay. i think so the okay. way people are moving out of the northeast and they do go let me give you but let me give california you california going to utah let me give I you think, one, let okay. me give you one more why utah won't go okay well they'll try to go but there's a certain school that will say no byu byu <laughs> will have nothing to do with utah being in the same conference being in the same conference BYU wants to be in the better conference. 
Yeah. BYU is hoping to pass Utah again. Okay. And being in the Big 12 and watching the Pac-12 die, the last thing BYU wants to do is have Utah in the same conference well, as them. Then it, it may end up um, Oregon, Washington, and then we'll, we'll get a bitter, we'll get a bigger market in Denver. Take the Buffaloes. Yeah. Hope they turn things around. Yeah. And then maybe one of the Arizona schools. I'm not yeah. sure. But, yeah, okay. yeah, that's the only thing I can. There's think one of. other option too. I'm going to tell you about. Okay. You've heard, I've never mentioned this to you. Maybe, maybe you bring in. I don't know if it has to be four. But maybe you bring in Oregon, Washington, Colorado to get the Denver market, and then you bring in U- UTSA with the San Antonio market. You could, yeah. yeah you know, you you one hundred percent could. That's yeah. an interesting. That's Thank an interesting you. choice. Yeah. And UTSA is throwing millions. They have been for five years. Millions of dollars yeah. into their football program. Right. They are all about going all and in. San on sports. Antonio is a growing city and it a is. growing market. It yeah. is. So that's an interesting one that I could see happen. Right. Okay, and then the Big 12 is right there with the other two. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. But I, I see uh, limitations. Like good in good I, I think there's Utah. limitations for why the Big 12 might not end up getting Utah. So, okay. All right, so with that, we're ready to wrap this up with our final two segments. Jesse, right. our Tommy report real quick. All right. Did you, uh, did you watch that Sunday night game? Oh, I did. Like, uh, KC ran right through Tampa for the most yes. part. Yes, but I have a stat for you for Brady. Okay. So actually, if you look at Brady's just stat line, oh, he was impressive. He was. He, I mean, he threw fifty-two times. That's usually not a good thing. But he completed thirty-nine. Thirty-eight. Thirty-nine of them. Okay. Thirty-nine of fifty-two. Three hundred and eighty-five yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. <laughs> there has been. This is the third time Brady has lost the game where he threw for three hundred yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. One of those was the Miami Miracle. Okay. Where they lost in the very last play, the Hail Mary, whatever. Yeah, that's the Super Bowl. Gronk didn't make the tackle. Yeah, that okay. game. Yeah. And then the other one was, yes, Super Bowl has, has 52. Gronk touched, has Gronk touched that guy yet? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Has he stopped spinning around yet? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yes, he finally did. He finally did when he went to Tampa. But yeah, the other one was Super Bowl 52 against the Eagles, where Brady had the single greatest uh, Super Bowl performance well, of all Patri- time. The Patriots did not punt and lost the game. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, that one. Ouch. Um, so yeah, this is the third time Brady has thrown for 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and took an out. Jesse, did you see the rushing uh, stats for Tampa that game? Um, no, but I know they're bad. Six carries to six yards or something like that. Well, their leading rusher was uh, Rashad White. Yeah. Okay. Three carries, six yards. Okay. What did Fournette have? Um, less than that. Okay. Hold on, let me look. Let me look at their rushers. Fournette, a lot of times doing things. I think it was minus yardage. Anyway. Yeah. Fournette had a good receiving game. Yeah. But. He had negative three yards. <laughs> so they had a total of yeah six carries, three yards. Three yards, okay. And a touchdown on the ground though. <laughs> so that salvaged the day. Longest run was four yards. <laughs> all right. That's funny. So Brady had to do quite a bit of work he did. to he lose do, that game. He had to do all the work. I mean, Mike Evans had a hundred yards on the receiving. So yeah. good to have him back. Yep. Yes. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is Antonio Brown. Huh. Again. Again. Now, I want to give him the Darwin. Now, this is this is a serious thing that did happen, though. It's pretty awful, the video. I want to give him a Darwin, though. I didn't see the video. You don't need to watch it. I saw the pictures. <laughs> um, he was exposing himself and then kind of assaulting a woman in the Dubai pool. Um, but I want to give him a Darwin for this one. because of know it was in Dubai. Well, yeah. that's why I'm, oh. that's why he's getting a Darwin. Okay, because and not an assault charge. <laughs> no, no, no. This is my point, actually. Well, Antonio, stri- and, Antonio should probably hightail it out of Dubai. Yes, if he's still there. If he can get out. If he can get out, oh. because if Dubai 
decides oh, I, he's to not kick. in Dubai. I have him on Snapchat. Okay, so he did leave. He's, he's not. So, so he made a smart decision for once in his life. <laughs> <laughs> but he also probably made it so he could never go back. Because mm. let me tell you about rules in the Middle East. Okay, <laughs> they don't care. They don't care. <laughs> um, they will put you in jail for the rest of your life. They don't play games in Dubai in, or the Middle East. In, in other words, Brittany Griner doesn't have that bad off in Moscow. She, <laughs> no, honestly, she doesn't. Right. No, if it was the Middle East, it'd be worse. Yes, exactly. Well, here's yeah. the thing, though. Is, don't they usually have laws of like, oh, if you assault a woman, the woman is going to jail. <laughs> that's true. No, that's Saudi Arabia. Okay. <laughs> Dubai has to at least keep up a better image yeah. than the Saudis okay. do. Okay. And in general, any type of, any type of, uh, in any type of stepping out of bounds at all in law is not going to be is is going to be met very harshly, even if it's against a woman, whatever it is. Okay, and that's I, the other thing. That's the most if it was his country, I've it, ever heard you know what's funny though? So here here's where your thing does come into play. If it was his wife, it, it would oh, be, then it's it would, okay. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as serious. Oh. I'm serious. Right. This again, this could get me canceled too. I guess if we ever. If this ever got popular, oh, for just but what am I? But what I'm saying is factually correct. If it was his wife, he might have a better time off it. But it wasn't his wife, and yeah. that's the kicker. He could go to jail for the rest of his life mm -hmm. if he had stayed in Dubai, there and he probably go. can't go back. So and you, for, you are an idiot, Antonio yeah. Brown. For Antonio Brown, this is his fourth straight year winning a Donald Award. <laughs> it really is. Even though show's only been here for two. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, this is at least his third. At least his third. Is it? Third. Oh, yeah. I was, oh, at least I was joking. Okay. No, that's probably at least his third. <laughs> I, can't, I can't put a location on Antonio but Brown right now. the other thing is, you, other than just the Dubai thing, you did this at a public pool in the middle of the day. If you watch the video, <laughs> you can see five people even in the video who are all witness who could videotape it. Yeah. Like, you're an idiot, dude. Yeah. yeah. An idiot. Yeah, we knew that. But, <laughs> but it's amazing. It's It really is just mind-boggling. I know everyone tries to make excuses. Or like, oh, maybe it's after the hit of Perfect. If you go back and look, there were there was plenty of bad things on him coming out of college. I think Pittsburgh Antonio? kept. Yes, there was. Yeah, but he they really were kept under the table. Okay, they I'm were. Sure he wasn't a model citizen. But, but the older you get, the more successful and the more money you get, it makes these things worse. It does. And when Pittsburgh it, paid yes. him, it got significantly worse. It, when, when Tomlin goes in the Hall of Fame, it's just going to say the guy who sometime somehow <laughs> controlled Antonio Brown for eight years. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It, yeah. it is. And, and Pittsburgh's better at keeping things in house. Than other, than other organi team. organizations. Yeah. The minute he left Pittsburgh, it was every week you're hearing something. Yeah. So that was part of it, too. Well, I mean, did you hear what else he did this week? What Not else? nearly on the scale, but oh, he man. posted a picture to Instagram of a Photoshop with him and Giselle, oh. uh, Tom's wife, yeah. like, embracing. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? I know. He's he's not, He's a nutcase. He's an yeah. idiot. And that's really... that's a That can get you upset what he's... um. What Brady did try to do for Antonio and for yeah. Antonio to turn on Brady the way he's yeah. done. Is, I know. Is shows you the kind of person that, that yeah. he is. So congratulations to Antonio Brown yeah. for another Darwin Award in Dubai. <laughs> we where look you forward could, to your next one. We look forward to your next one in Dubai where you could have gone to jail for the rest of your life. And in the middle of the day with five uh, people just within the video that you could see uh, witnessing it. Insane. Insanity. Uh, right, why so, is it wide receivers? 
I don't um, know. That's a good question. Maybe the next show will solve that one. I don't, I don't know what it is. I'll and, listen. Anyway, that has been it for Slow Your Roll this week, guys. Slowyourroll.com um, for some of the news, links to past episodes, Slow Your Roll on Instagram and on Twitter for videos from the shows as well. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great rest of your week.